plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one man. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. I'm not working Indianapolis anymore, and we're here to talk magic. How's it going today? <laughs> oh, doing all right. A little tired after work, but we're pushing through it. Um, yeah. You had to... You had to... We had a very, <laughs> very heavy item to move at the end, right at the end of my day. I won't go and bore anybody with any details, but it took four adult yeah. men to get this into the back of my truck. Up the stairs. Up, up the, the stairs, stairs from out of a the... basement. <laughs> and it took all we had. Yeah. Because we about dropped it. Oh, man. <laughs> so. I had to move one of the drain machines up the stairs, uh, but I had someone below it, and we had no problem at all moving it. Yeah, well, I'm. <laughs> it even has I'm handles happy for you. Ours does not. <laughs> it's awful. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. I mean, work's been work. That's one of the things I like about it is I don't have to take it home with me. So, like, I clock mm. out and I go. You know, I just whistle away and just drive home and you yep. know, do my thing. Um, for the people who do care, I'm still playing Final Fantasy XI. <laughs> I finished that sword. I don't remember if I finished it in time for last week. No, because I finished it this weekend. So I finished that sword I was working on, uh, and it's awesome. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> uh, it's Is it everything you wanted? Yes, absolutely. So uh, I still have a lot of room to grow on Red Mage as far as my gear goes and as far as my play goes, because like, Red Mage fundamentally is a support character, and mm -hmm. I play it solo. So like I don't even have like macros and whatnot set up to cast buffs on other people because I just play by myself pretty much. But so there's plenty of room for me to grow as far as group content um, and then just getting stuff down as far as like I still need to get there's still quite a few pieces of gear that I can get that will make me do like substantially more damage. Uh, the next one I'm working on, the next big piece, there's a couple like intermittent pieces is, pieces that I'll probably pick up in the meantime because they're like four or five million gil a piece. <laughs> Jeez, that's big numbers. Uh, it is. It's big numbers, but like I can earn that in a day or two. So like that's like what's that like that's like probably four hours of play, six hours of play, something like that. Okay. Just kind of depends, and there is a little bit of a cap to that, given how, um, given the content and whatnot. But like I can like something that costs like five or six million, I go eh, and I get it. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Uh, the belt I need costs like one hundred and forty million. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's that's my next big goal. Six million is not too bad then. But what it does, uh, it's. <clears throat> It increases elemental damage, ideal, which is basically all my damage, mm -hmm. by between 1% and 15%, depending on how close I am to the target. Okay, so, so if, if I'm right next out. to them, I'm doing just flat out 15% more damage. And that is a huge increase. Like, Yeah, that's a quite a quite a healthy jump. To yeah. Just, so, just do 15% more damage per swing. There's So one of the things... Uh, Final Fantasy XI's economy is almost entirely player-driven. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of stuff that's crafted, and the rest of the stuff comes from drops. And most of the stuff you can trade. Not all of it, but most of it you can sell on the auction house and whatnot. Uh -huh. It's not one-to-one, -one, but you can almost always tell what gear is good just by how much it costs. Yeah. Like if a piece like that is one of the most expensive pieces of gear in the game. Yeah, it's a scarcity. Because it's everyone wants it. It's not super common. But everyone wants it, and people are willing to spend that much time getting that belt because it's that good. So yep. I'm excited to keep going. Um, I haven't actually gotten it. So I, I was working on a cape this weekend. I finished my, I shouldn't say this weekend, but like yesterday, 
I did. A, so well, you had a four day weekend. Yeah, I barely played any video games at all because oh, I was you're, up there. You're out of town. Yeah, I was in the land that time forgot. So I was up uh, north with my parents and my in laws, mm-hmm. where I basically don't have internet access. Yeah, I know. I tried texting you a lot. And... Yeah. I just don't get them or like I'll move to a certain spot of the house and I'll go ping, 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 ping. And then I'll go to reply and it'll be like, you have no service. <laughs> <laughs> so um, didn't really play much. And then this weekend I played a little bit on Sunday, but uh, yesterday my wife had a meeting for work and she yeah. didn't get home till eight. We were going to record, but you got stuck at work. Yep. And so I, and on top of that, I got out of work early. Oh, nice. So, like, That's I had, day for gaming. like, five hours of the house to myself, and I did, I came home, I got some food, I came down to the basement, and I didn't leave. <laughs> nice. So Nice, nice. I, uh, I hit it pretty hard yesterday. Dude, um, so I don't work in it anymore. I get to play games late again. Yep. Like, me and my wife have always been night owls, and when I was working in indie, I can't be tired and make a 90-minute drive. That's I, dangerous. I can be tired and make a 30-minute drive pretty easily, though. So I can play games until, like, 11.30 now. Yep. Yeah, Sorry, I, continue. No, you're fine. I, it's, there's not a ton more to say. Like I said, I've just been playing Final Fantasy XI. Um, I've been looking, I've been watching, was watching Legacy this weekend, uh, excited about this uh, mono white deck, um, which we'll get into when that comes around. But yeah, I mean, just hitting 11 hard. Uh, Ashley and I are going to play a little bit tonight, I think, after we get done recording. That's why you want to hurry up and record. Well, that was our plans. Well, we're going to we're going to play tonight. Because we weren't of, supposed to be recording, but yeah. planes the, got moved. Yeah, they absolutely plan. And that's going to have to be, and you know that, this is going to be kind of flexible where, like, on Tuesdays, I just might get yep. out late now. No, well, it's the same thing with me. Like, yeah, you could just be- you have, I was at work late today. Yep. If you're Not just at- very late, but- if you're, Well, if you're just out doing runs at until 5.45, 6 o'clock, we just can't do it. And then yep. we'll just have to be, we'll be flexible. So, but the plan is to get back on the Tuesday thing. Yeah. I do want to start hitting the gym again. I've gotten pretty soft in the midsection. Um- you plan on going before work or after? After. Mm. Monday, Wednesday, Friday is my plan. That local gym close here by here? Yeah. I wish you'd go to a gym that had shit to do. But I but I don't I use one thing. I'd go with you. But we could like we could play racquetball or something. And I, I we wouldn't like we wouldn't run. But if we just like jogged a little bit playing racquetball, it'd be so much fun. But yeah. I go to a gym that has a stair mill and that's about would it. Would you be willing to learn pickleball? I don't know what that is. It's like racquetball, but it's a lot low, lower intensity. I wouldn't be opposed to learning it or playing it, but I don't think currently I have enough time for an additional hobby. <laughs> well, no, it would be your gym time. I, mean, I wouldn't be opposed to going to the gym with you. I spend a half hour there. That's unless all it's I do. your time. Yeah. If it's your time, then I won't want to. So, like, it's not a big part of the day. Mm, okay. It's go there, hit the stairs for half an hour. Oh, okay. And then come home. When I used to go to the gym, and I was, you know, this was six years ago, but I used to go to the gym for like two Back hours. Back before you got married. Before I got married, before yeah. I had a wife waiting he, at home. Jake used to be quite the stud. I, I mean, I wasn't the stud. He stu- reeled w- himself in a good-looking woman and then immediately let himself go. <laughs> I wasn't a stud, but I was definitely a lot thinner. I was in a lot better shape. To be fair, I was too. I just did it all 20 years ago. Yep. I used yeah. to wear a medium. I used to wear a large. For a long time, I was wearing <laughs> le- legit just larges. I'm back to 2X. Now I'm excited that within a couple weeks, if my diet continues, I'll squeeze back into my XLs. Yep. Put on a lot of get, weight over COVID, and it's I'd been hard to get, get it off. XLs. But I, I, um, I genuinely have a hard time going to the gym and exercising. I love being active, but I can't just lift weights. Mm-hmm. I, I remember we went. I uh, went with my wife, and she went and jogged, and she likes doing laps. And I hopped on the treadmill, and I jogged for like three minutes, and I was like, I don't want to do this or be here anymore. And I went and sat down. But like, I've gone. I'll go rock climbing, or I'll go play racquetball, and I'll play racquetball until ten o'clock. 
Yeah. And because they're closing the gym, I just don't have uh, I don't have the the, the mental fortitude to force myself. To it's do just discipline. Yeah, yep, I don't have it. If it's and, not fun. I'm not doing it. Yep. And that's one of the reasons why I do it. And in particular, what I do is because it's making myself do something I don't want to do. And yep. that's good for you in the long run. Discipline's good for you. So, anywho, how'd, uh, how'd last night go? Or Monday, I guess. Today's on Tuesday. Pioneer? I did not go on Monday. No Pioneer this week? No. Well, it happened. Um, I uh, I haven't talked to, to, to DC or Mike at the Sage's shop. They still hosted it. They ran it without me. Uh, as far as I know, it's still fired. I ended up not getting off work until... I, re- I remember we were heading back to the terminal, and I was talking to the guy I was with, and he was like, oh, you could probably make blah, blah, blah. And I'd done the math. It was one of those things where if... We rush to the terminal, and I rush home, and I immediately turn around. I'll be probably five to ten minutes late. Yeah. And, and if like, nothing goes wrong. And if nothing goes wrong, I'll still be ten minutes late. I don't want to make them wait for me. I don't I don't want to miss round one. And I, don't, I was very tired. I smelled like poop. Yep. Um, Plumbing, I, yay. So I missed my first Pioneer night in like six and a half, seven months. It's whatever. I'm hoping it went well. I had a nice night in with the wife. We watched TV and relaxed together. You did go undefeated. I did go undefeated. I did not lose. Wins. A, didn't drop a single game. Yep. Um, I had a nice long weekend. Uh, we were talking about we had a four day weekend with our company, and I got to go see my wife's uh, mother, I guess my mother in law, for a nice, beautiful, or beautiful, a nice, wonderful lunch. And then we uh, didn't do anything all weekend. Sarah had to work. Like Sarah had to work Friday, Saturday a little bit, but mm-hmm. I didn't leave the house. I, I did not leave the house almost for anything. And then on Sunday, we actually went out and had a really nice dinner date, just her and me. So spent some time together, went on a date, you know, just kind of reconnected a little bit because she's been super stressed. She's been super busy. Um, I'm going to tell our fans. I don't think it matters. My, my wife put her two week notice in. Uh, she's been having a lot of trouble with her where she works. She's a funeral director at a funeral home. I'm not going to tell anybody who. But there's it's one of those things. The funeral home isn't terrible. The owners, I don't think like he's a criminal, but... He's not the best person to work for, and there's like one or two people in the office that are just atrocious to work with. Sarah doesn't work for them, but just to work with them. Like mm-hmm. they're just backstabbing, conniving, lying. And she's been trying to get this place in the straight and narrow. There's a lot of oper- a lot of times where they don't necessarily follow the rules the way they need to, or they make mistakes and they're trying to fix it. And she's been trying to get them fixed for well over a year now. And Can you imagine if you ran a hospital like that instead of a funeral home? <laughs> Probably corners, do it very long. Making mistakes. At least and at so, the funeral home, it's morbid. But you go, well, they're already dead. Yeah, the the yeah, you're. It's hard to completely ruin things. Well, more. we got them in a box yeah. in the ground. Mission yeah. accomplished. <laughs> but I got I, I convinced her. We we talked about it a lot, and I I convinced her to put her two weeks in. Today was her last day. Uh, it was funny. Um, she's had some rough days at work, but like even just yesterday, because yesterday was her last full day. Like she was so much happier, just so in such better mood, just ready to put this part of her life behind her. She's got several interviews lined up over the next couple of days for new upper, new jobs. I talked to her. Though. Like, even if she has to take a month off, like we'll, we can handle it. We can absorb it. We'll be fine. So I'm really excited for her. She's really excited. We had, so we had a great weekend together. Haven't done a whole lot. Uh, I've been playing a fair bit of Standard, actually. So I didn't tell you this. Um, I've been tooling around on Standard with that mono, with a mono, no one, no one fucking cares about Standard on this podcast. A mono blue tempo deck that's a lot of fun to play. Yeah, you've mentioned that before. Um, but there was me. a really fun looking Grixis deck that I wanted to play, and I I cashed out basically. I took uh, I took all my I had like seventy thousand coins and like you know a small all your you know, coins, your gems, your wild cards, and all that so stuff. I, I still have thirty mythic wild cards. 
And uh, I think I still have like five or six rare wild cards, actually. So I cashed out, and I still have some left over. But it's a really fun, really strong Grixis deck. The best thing about it is uh, this: it runs like three, like three fun ofs, just really fun one of cards that like you play them. They're all it's, they're all five or six mana, and they just they swamp the board, or they just do they just they're fun to play. So like one of them is one of them's like Soul Canar. So it's a I think it's a five mana Grixis card, and like you have to do. Four things, and you can't on your end step one at a time. You can't. And you do, can't repeat them. You can't repeat them. And one of them is draw a card. One of them is drain for two. One of them is to deal three damage to a creature or a planeswalker. And then one of them is to exile it, and then your opponent gets him. So you get three turns to either win the game or find a way to kill him. Usually yeah. What it ends up being, or flicker him, which I do, or bounce mm-hmm. him. Yep. Which usually he's also a five five, so they usually kill him for you. Usually you play him, you draw a card, and then you just start swinging in. And you swing, yeah. You just, you make bad attacks. As long as shit. I can trade, we're yep. ahead, sort of. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, because I'm yeah. losing them no matter what. Yeah. Uh, the other one is there's some like five mana two five vampire chick uh, that when she ETBs or whenever another vampire ETBs, you exile your top card and their top card. And then you may play one, and then that 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 pile builds forever, and you can play one of those a turn. Hmm. You you so, you know there's there's like there's a handful of vampires in the deck. So if you play her, you take card take. Obviously, you get like cheeky blocks with flash. Yeah. But you know it's a little bit of card advantage. And then anytime you play, there's a hand, there's a decent number of vampires in the deck. You can accrue a little bit of card advantage. They just sit there forever. If you happen to hit one of your many removal spells, so you can like play a land on your turn, kill spell on their turn. You can get some cheeky card advantage, and the other one, the real, the one that's really fun to play, it's at, it's a new brother's war card, X and six for an artifact, so it dodges. If anyone's listening, go for the throat is the premier removal right now in standard. One in a black, destroy target not artifact. Yep. So if artifacts are at a premium for sure. Um, but it's X and six, and it has this new mechanic from Brothers War, which you've probably seen, where depending on what colors of mana you pay, you get certain buffs. Yeah. And so uh, it's X six five four. If uh, for every blue blue you draw a card, oh, it's that one. Yes, for every that red cool. red it gets plus one plus zero oh, trample and haste, and then for every black black they discard a card. Yeah, that one's nuts. It is. You get to the end of the game, you need to really all a card it to be like, you know, what do I care about? Well, they only have two cards in their hand, so I'll just draw one, make them discard two. I'm, yeah. I, you know, I'm gonna him to draw them draw a card, or you know, they and you up, get the creature, and you have a five four. Yeah, yeah. Or it's like you know, hey, you know, they're up on resources or whatever. It's like I just want to draw three cards. Yeah, to draw, draw, draw. Or I need to race, and now he's got trample and haste. Dude, there's a lot of games where it's like they just, you know, they'll they'll swing out, and they're like they're <laughs> at eight life. What's gonna happen to the Grixis deck at eight life? Yep, bonk bonk bonk. Yeah, red 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 red. <laughs> yep. Like fucking yeah, it's it's a really fun deck. It's a very consistent, powerful Grixis deck, and those like three separate kind of fun ofs add a lot of fun to the deck. Just kind of you know you know you know what you're gonna see, and you kind of get what you get. And yeah, I've been having a lot of fun. I've been having a lot of fun with that. I'm trying to talk. So Will, um, we're going late here, but sorry guys, it's my podcast. <laughs> uh, Will from the Plane Suckers podcast. Uh, they were on hiatus. The Plane Suckers podcast is officially done. It's over. It's gone. Will and Aramis um, have kind of split ways. It's not that they're not friends anymore. Basically, Aramis decided he didn't want to do it anymore. And so the, Will's not going to try and replace Aramis on the podcast. That podcast no longer exists. Will's going to keep the content coming, though, with DR Casual. So he still wants to do some standard, but it's obviously going to be, again, more casual-oriented. He's kind of looking for a podcast Is it supposed co-host. to be Dr. Casual, I'm assuming? It's Will listens. Will 
and I I love you to death, Will. Will's a little too cheeky for his own good. It's not doctor casual. It's dirty rotten casual. Gotcha. But it's dr for doctor and. Gotcha. Fair enough. No, he's that's fine. silly. Yep. He's a silly dude. Well, because people are going to call it doctor casual. That's so. The funny thing is, because I so he recorded his first episode on Monday, kind of spur of the moment, and I was like, hey, I, or um, was it Monday? Yes, it was Monday. And I was like, hey, I got home. I, I, uh, my wife was working late. I'm not doing anything. And I couldn't go to Pioneer. That's what I couldn't go to Pioneer. And I said, do you want to co-host? We talked about me co-hosting sporadically. And he's like, actually, yeah, fuck it. Let's look, Come on, and we'll do it. So we recorded the first episode. We had a great time. But I a couple times referred to him as Dr. Casual. And he was like, no, no, it's Dr. Casual. And then by the end of the podcast, I got him accidentally saying Dr. Casual. It's Dr. Casual. <laughs> it's Dr. Casual. <laughs> yeah. And it stands for Dirty Rotten Casual. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it's, he's having a lot of fun with it. We had a great time. We talked about, uh, I highly recommend people listen to it. Uh, we talked about uh, the Magic 30 and how uh, the whole fiasco of them selling it for 30 minutes and then declaring the sale has ended. Yeah. And the wording. and We, we went pretty deep in the weeds on that. Had a lot of fun. It's, uh, if you want to check it out, the stream, it was live streamed on Benson MTG at Twitch. So twitch.com forward slash Benson MTG. And then I couldn't, I don't know where all this stuff is located right now. So. I, I believe a lot of it still run through the Plain Soccer's domains until mm-hmm. he gets things moved over. But I highly re- recommend people check that out. It's more content if you like listening to me. And it was kind of fun talking about some of the Magic 30 stuff that we, you know, and it's it was a lot of negative and a few positives for sure. So a little bit of both ends. But that's been my week. Um, anything else? Patrons. Well, yes. But no. Nothing? You're good to go? Yeah, good to go. Yeah, I'm not going to figure out our patrons. I would never do that. So we're going to give a shout out to our patrons. If you do want to help support the show directly, go to patreon.com forward slash cantrip cartel and you'll get a shout out just like Emperor, who puts our stuff up on Reddit every week. Super duper appreciate that. Ramblin' Rogue, Derek, uh, Derek and Ashley from the Family Gathering. Derek is our, unfortunately, our friend who passed away recently, but he still gets a shout out because he's honorary host forever. Eric, Monowolf, Ethan, CJ, Nate, and Jameson. We super appreciate all of our patrons for helping us put the show together. We got a new one, didn't we? And we did get a new patron. I'm glad you reminded me. Um, are you pulling it up on Discord? Yeah. So I haven't. I uh, I totally forgot to add our new patron to the list, but I will. I'm gonna pull up their uh, for this week only. I will pull up. I'll pull up their uh, Discord name. It's a Asphalt Four or sorry, it's Four Asphalt Four uh, joining us on the patreon i'll get i'll make sure and get their name added on soon so i'm super sorry about that but thank you for joining the patreon thank you for coming and being part of the team thanks for hopping into the discord and chit-chatting with yep. us apparently one of our very early listeners so yes he said he's been for, with us uh, he or she uh they have been with us from the beginning and they finally were either willing to or in a position Took the plunge to join to take the plunge and join on so we super appreciate that and we're super happy to have them if yeah if you guys want it's going to get you know those tiers like for one dollar basically you get into the discord and you can chit chat with us directly, and you know you can see our ramblings about magic and stupid shit. Uh, Five dollars, you're gonna start getting a bunch of extra content every week, usually thirty to forty minutes a week. And then you get to ten dollars, you start looking at after a month or two, you're gonna get some free I think shirts. We're sold out of the ten dollar tier, aren't we? At least I as... think we have one more slot in the ten dollar tier. Double check that, but yeah. I say what in the event that you want a shirt and we're technically sold out because it. The reason I put limits on those is because those tiers have special access to um, basically the force the issue where you can force content. And I can't have 30 people in a tier that allows us to force us to talk about their stuff. So like this week, we're going to talk about Mono Wolf and some decks he's looking to get into for Modern and Legacy. But if you want to get into, basically, if you're looking to get a shirt, just message me. We'll figure it out. We'll, we can get there from here, I promise. But one more time, thank you to everyone who helps put the show on. 
And Matt, that's all I got. How's Legacy looking? Pretty sweet. <laughs> Pretty sweet. Uh, not quite the Delverless Utopia we were all hoping for, but the top eight doesn't look too bad. The overall meta doesn't look too bad. Uh, a reduction from the peak of where Delver was at over the past six months to a year and a half, depending on you know where you want to draw that particular line. Um, we've got that mono white and some variations on it, initiative stuff that's going on, like initiative stompy basically. So looks pretty good. So I'm ready to jump into it. We've got uh, Osmandius 17 bringing it home with four color control. So nice. Glad to see a non Delver deck win. Not that Delver wins every week or anything like nope. that, but screw Delver. <laughs> <laughs> um, so <clears throat> let's go over this list real quick. Uh, we've got Endurances and Arrows for the Creatures. Uh, two Minskin Boo for Planeswalkers here. We've, that card has just become a staple for anything running a forest. Yeah, yeah if, you've got, if you've got red and red and green, yep. that card is just insane. Um, which we that just reminded me of something I haven't. I didn't see any rug delver on this one. So You're right. Our uh, our tier one deck is sold out. Our ten I never thought that would happen. <laughs> yep. I kinda thought those I, numbers we were We had this conversation. I was like, Jake, I think that's too low. <laughs> I kinda thought those numbers were superfluous. I might up that to six because um our patrons don't bombard us every week with four C issues. So we probably could we could probably get a few more on there, but yeah, it's a it's a good point, Matt. People people enjoy listening to our podcast. Yep. So, anywho, Minskin Boo, very good card. <laughs> yeah, that card's insane. That just it does everything you want to do in Legacy. Unfortunately, it costs four mana, but like that's okay. But to be fair, it probably should. It shouldn't cost anything less than four. Yeah. Oh, it it because be I mean it's see and play at four. It'd be a problem. Yeah. Um, and that to me, it's exactly kind of it's kind of what you want out of a non-blue card. I know we're talking about a four-color deck playing it, and like Rug Delver has splashed it and whatnot, but like it's a pretty it's seeing much more play in non-blue decks than in blue decks. It's yeah. not something that's super splashable like Deathrite Shaman or, mm -hmm. you know, Oko or something like that where it's just like we need some non-blue cards that actually put in some work. Yeah. And we've got plenty to talk about on the white and red side of that. For sure. And Minskin Boot was, you know, holding up Green's End. So, yeah. like, if only there was Making, black somewhere keeping, in this top eight. <laughs> keeping forest relevant. There's, I mean, I joke around. There's... Uh, looking at the top eight, the only black stuff is basically from Show and Tell, and it's like Archon of Cruelty and Grizzlebrand. Yeah, there's no like actual. There's no act. Nobody's running swamps, basically. Yep. <laughs> so uh, the rest of the deck we've seen. I mean, we've seen this stuff before, but the spells. So you got your cantrips, your prismatic endings, swords, expressive iteration, life from the loam, one terminus, which kind of pops in and out of these lists sometimes. Couple dress downs. I've heard on Twitter that Terminus uh, is is a very effective tool against these mono white initiative decks mm -hmm. since they commit to the board so yep. heavily and the spells are so expensive. And it's just uh, with Mystic Sanctuary, you can set it up a couple times. Like yep, easily easily reuse it. Yeah, in my opinion, you gain a lot more from having one in your deck than you lose from putting one in your deck. Yeah, for especially sure. in something that's like this deck isn't hyper focused. It's just a four-color, basically yep. good stuff control deck. So that's exactly the kind of thing where just tossing in one card doesn't really hamper your game plan that much and can give you huge blowout potential. Terminus, Terminus is still, you know, super good against a bunch of decks. Yeah. I mean, when it goes off, with, with, like, with it's how, a one-man of Wrath of God. <laughs> with how good creatures, it's way better than Wrath of God. Well, with, I know, but like, yes. in effect... 
with how good creatures have gotten in the last couple of years, Legacy has really transitioned from a spells-only format to at least a mixture of both. Oh, yeah. And uh, Terminus's value has just gone up and up and up. Yeah. Now, yeah. There's, still, there's still distinct deck-building costs to make it work, but it's definitely a very valuable card still. Well, yeah, and, it, and again, something like this, like, it's just not terribly difficult like you got terminus. Oh no, you've got terminus in your hand. I guess I'll wait till I get a brainstorm and chuck it back on top. Yeah. I mean, and like Mystic Sanctuary was just such a boon for that card. Yeah. I mean, any realistically, any card, any any miracle card, Mystic Sanctuary is just insane for. Yeah. Or you know, expressive iteration. <laughs> or expressive iteration. Yeah. <laughs> so sideboard, we've got uh, blue blasts, some red blasts, carpet of flowers, uh, Topher orb. Um, Endurance, Force of Negation, another Terminus, Cosmic Return. No, it's Torpor. Torpor, whatever. Toper. Get it right, Matt. That's how I've heard everybody say it. Well, they're wrong. That's Everyone's fine. wrong if they're not agreeing with me. That's fine. There you go. You're Necropotence. right. <laughs> Absolutely not. I will end this podcast right now. Shortest podcast to date. Yep. That's weird. It's still 45 <laughs> minutes long. It's still 40 minutes long. <laughs> Uh, so, anywho, that's four color control and bringing it home. Congrats to Osmandius, 17. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the top eight is still out of order. They still haven't gotten that figured out with MTG Goldfish scraping it correctly. So, we're just going to go top to bottom again. Yep. Um, so, I was a little disappointed. I hadn't thought about this, but listed in first place was Mono White Initiative Stompy. And oh, I yeah. got super excited. I hadn't. I literally literally hadn't thought about it until we started recording. I thought it had won. We're just so used to. Yeah. Yep. But it, um, you know, just came in the top eight. We'll see. I mean, I'm curious. I'm actually curious about this where it ended up. I mean, don't forget. I don't know if we said this. Legacy Showcase Challenge too. Yeah, this is a showcase. This is a big tournament that that may not won, but just top eighting. That's huge. Man, their website still doesn't even work right. So this was Frodo BG. Yes. Uh, who looks like they got in the top four. So semifinals. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. And it's pretty impressive for a deck that really only hit the mainstream, what, two oh, weeks sorry. ago? Oh, sorry. My bad. I misread that. Made it into the finals. Oh, so second. So, yeah, got second. That's freaking amazing. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so this is that, uh, like we talked about last week, there's going to be some different builds of this. The ones we talked about last week had Stoneforge Mystics in them. This one doesn't even have that. Nope. We just have a... It's got the same kind of core uh, initiative cards, but now we've got Thalia. Dude, I think it has... Guardian there's a, of Thraben. There's a, there's a couple different things here that are really interesting. Yep. Anointed Peacekeeper, which I think we talked about that one last we did, week. Yep. yep. The three mana 3-3 three, three that taxes abilities and the casting of whatever spell you name. And yep. you get Peak in there as a bonus. Yeah. Then we've got Elite Spellbinder, which is not something we talked about last week. Do you know who that is? The person? No, yeah. I couldn't tell you. PVDDR. Gotcha. That's the PVDDR's championship card. Um, so Elite Spellbinder is a 3-1 flying for three. When it enter- And let's say this, it's one white and two generic. That's yes. Im- very important because yep. in this, is we got a lot of soul land, so it can come down on turn two. Um, when Elite Spellbinder enters the battlefield, look at target opponent's hand. You may exile a non-land card from it. As long as that card remains exiled, its owner may play it. A spell cast this way costs two more to cast. So yep. again, more taxing. Yep, and it's important to remember, it, it is clear if you read it correctly and you know, but... Even if Elite Spellbinder dies, that it's it costs two forever. Yeah. That spell is exiled forever. Yep. Until they decide to cast it. Yeah. Which again, it's all about picking the right card in that scenario. I guess you could always carn it back if they did an artifact because yeah, carn's stupid. Yeah. But yeah. Of course. 
It isn't like an oblivion ring, whatever. It doesn't go back to your hand. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't stop costing. The card's it. gone forever until they decide to pay yeah. two more for it, which this deck is specifically going to try to beat them to death yep. with initiative creatures Dude, way before they get a chance to do that. 24 creatures. That's yeah. a lot. I mean, well, we were just talking about Terminus. Yep. And just, I mean, 24, that's pushing the number of creatures elves runs, especially in some of those lighter elf lists that aren't like super into the uh, elf uh, synergies. So like just to bring it up, including Dryad Arbor, the uh, elf list in 29th place, assuming that thing's right, has 27 <laughs> creatures. Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking about a lot of creatures here. Yeah, that's really high creature counts for Legacy. Yeah. So we've got, uh, let's see, we did the uh, Spellbinder, then we've yep. got the uh, White Plume Adventure, which we talked about last yep. week. Um, then we've got Palace Jailer. So now we're double dipping, yes. which is, in my opinion, makes perfect sense. Like, you're already designing your deck to not lose the initiative. Yep. Well, you might as well also not lose the Monarch. Absolutely. <laughs> and... Palace Jailer, in my opinion, is one of the better cards for Monarch. Oh, yeah. Because that card, I've had this happen multiple times to people who played against me. You don't get your creature back till you take Monarch. Yeah. It's not, not killing the Palace Jailer. I know. I've, so many people miss that. <laughs> I've fallen for it. Yep. For they, sure. They go, oh, cool. So you Palace Jailer their thing, and they lightning bolt the Palace Jailer, and they want their dude back. It's like, not how that works, bud. Yeah. They don't even. It is, yeah. It, Until they become the Monarch. Yeah, they, it's you, gone forever. It's gone forever. And so, like, Palace Jailer is going to pull incredible double duty here, where, one, in a grindy matchup where it matters, you're just drawing an extra card every turn. Yep. Um, on top of a removal spell. But it also, I mean, th uh, for four mana, think about how many times this is, that's the killing blow. It's like, you finally resolved your Murktide. You finally made a blocker. You finally have stabilized on the board. Palace Jailer comes in, takes your one blocker away, swing for lethal. Yeah. Or puts you to two or yeah. something stupid. You know what I mean? Like... In a deck as aggressive as this, it's something that I didn't think about until I started playing a little more standard, because this, uh, I would say limited and standard are where these play patterns are a little more relevant. But the whole like creature that comes in and kills a creature, even if it does nothing else, it just secures that final attack. It, you're when you're playing this kind of wider board state. Well, when they get one fatty out, a five-five of some or a sheldred, a four-five, mm -hmm. they can. Well, you palace jailer, their only thing that can block effectively. Yeah, because you're. I mean, it happens all the time in Magic, where three-three holds off an army of two-twos. It sure does. Like, yeah, because you don't want to trade down. Yep, I'm not attacking it enough to really kill you quickly enough, and I'm just losing. I can't afford to lose a card a turn. Yep. So you just palace jailer, and then you just hang back because you're just yeah. now you have monarch and the initiative, yep. and you're drawing a card every turn and doing all the initiative shenanigans yep. we discussed. So there's gonna be plenty. You have plenty of turns where palace jailer is your turn three play, or your turn six play, and it's your turn three play to get value, or it's your turn six play just to win, yep. like GGs. Well, and there's, again, it's one of those things where, like, there's a lot of times where, like you were talking about, it, it's the difference between, it It almost kind of has pseudo haste because it gets rid of a blocker. Yeah, it does. So, like, you don't always have to care about the Monarch, even if they're going to take it, if they, in theory, would take it. It's yeah. like, because I'm going to kill them this turn. I don't yep. care if they could crack back and yeah. take Monarch. I just want, yeah. in well, this particular scenario, to get rid of a there's blocker. There's probably one or two things happening. Either they're dead or it's a board wipe. Yeah, effectively. Yeah, they have they have to jump. They out. have to block everything, and yeah. then I kill all their creatures anyways. Yeah. Now I again, pretty sure I'm keeping Monarch. Still have Monarch. Yep. Because I mean, who plays creatures with haste? Yeah. I mean, they, even if they do, my palace jailer can block. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Like it's yeah. Who plays creatures with flying and, and haste? haste? Yeah. They're pretty rare. No one plays Sprite Dragon anymore. Yeah. So does uh, I'd have to look at does DRC get haste when it gets nope. okay? No, it does not. 
<laughs> it must attack if able, but no, it yeah, doesn't get haste. So that was the only thing I was like, yeah, no, there's not really much. Yeah, in we're the sitting area. here going, who plays flying in haste? And DRC's like, uh, I'm in 25 percent yeah. of decks. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like sprite dragon. He's like in the back of the class. I do. <laughs> sprite dragon. Yeah, sprite dragon. Best card. Yeah, no nobody plays sprite dragon in two years. Yeah. Um. Oh, you have. That doesn't count. Yeah. Uh, so that's all the creatures. We got four but, solitudes as well. Yeah, but I thought that, I thought that those were, and obviously the Thalias weren't necessarily new, but we didn't talk about as much. Like this list, those, those are some major revamps to the, to the creature basis. Yeah. The Thalia, the Spellbinders, and the Palace Jailers. Yep. Taxes on taxes on removal and value. And to be perfectly honest, I mean, I'm certainly no expert in the deck. I think Stoneforge's time is kind of... yeah. It's best days are behind it. It doesn't sure, mean it's uh, yeah. never going to see play or anything. Stone Stoneforge is an incredibly powerful card and will always be powerful because she'll always get new equipment to go get. But like, I would rather play this list, yeah, than the Stoneforge list. I, I would feel bad, up. and I, I don't think I'll get rid of them anytime soon or ever. But like, for for my birthday one year, you and you and my wife got me a playset of box topper Stoneforges, and they're beautiful, and I love them, and I don't think I'll ever play them. Right. Like, you I need tried... to build four white EDH decks yeah. that use equipment. I do. I do. Um, I tried to play them in modern, and the deck that I put together sucked because it was because it was based on Stoneforge, and it wasn't mono, It wasn't Hammer Time. I mean, if it had been Hammer Time, it, but yeah, like, I mean, it just that's wasn't... that's the trick. <laughs> yeah, it just wasn't enough. Yeah, and to me, like clearly Stoneforge does a ton of heavy lifting in Hammer Time. But Stoneforge isn't what wins you the game no. per se. It's Sigarda's Aid and Colossal Hammer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, Stoneforge could be replaced with any tutor. Oh yeah, there's a lot of things. Well, it that could be better than Stoneforge, yeah. probably. In theory. Yeah, Stoneforge allows some really powerful lines for sure, but like. And it is a t again, it's consistency, which is huge because the deck is very powerful, and without Stoneforge, like if you just replaced it with just a blank card or whatever, oh, it becomes yeah. way less consistent. But like, but I think when you think of comparing, if you were to replace it with the next best, yeah, card, it's probably kind of close. Anywho, uh, we got four Amaria's Call, uh, which is that flip land. Yep. This is the one thing, like, I personally don't understand, like, how often do you hit seven? I mean, the, and three white. The only problem is it's the city of traders that really like, because you're really going hard on those city of traders, and you're gonna lose those. And I, to be fair. 100% I could be missing something. And this is one of those times where, like, if someone knows why those are in there, other than just the card occasionally is a card, but yeah. most of the time it's a land, that kind of thing, I'd love to know why. I just, I think, I've looked over these lists and I don't see the, I don't see any other reason other than the, the obvious one, which is it's a land drop. Yep. And every now and then it's a spell. And when you cast it, like, if you cast it, that's a very good card. I think a big part of it is you're just never afraid of being out aggroed. And if you're not afraid of being out aggroed, then your life total is somewhat, effectively meaningless, somewhat irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah, but wasteland is still a thing. It is. And yep. those like, over, over four more just straight up planes. Yeah, I mean you're missing. You've got all. Here, but you got twenty one lands and three of them are. But meet me in the middle here. So uh, think about this: where you're playing a game and you've gone ancient tomb, uh, and then or, yeah, you so say ancient tomb, Amarius call, play a three drop, and then they spend their entire second turn wastelanding you, and it's like, well, I'm okay. So, so do they wasteland your two mana or your Marius call? And even if they do, I'm totally cool with you taking your entire second turn to wasteland me and then brainstorm because I I have a powerful three drop. I have an a, a elite spellbinder on the board punching you for two. Or maybe I played anointed peacekeeper on turn two, and I was like, oh, that's a cool double wasteland hand you have. Wasteland. Yeah. Um, I think wasteland. I think in this deck especially the wasteland targets. It, the wasteland's just stretched so thin. 
yeah uh, don't get me wrong that's you're not wrong as far as wasteland oh, being stretched there's no way I'm to there's no way to deny them colored mana which is one of the biggest things a wasteland does so that's like true. obviously you're not getting out of that so like it's just to me i look at that and i go i like i said i just yeah the the seven mana spell is almost like, blank right so you basically you. are running running a planes let, let that can be wastelanded and, and cost three life to come into play on tap and lightning bolt yourself for the off chance you may eventually get to a Maria's call. Yeah, and the Maria's call is okay. I mean, in the meta, it's pretty good. But I mean, like, in a in a world of force of will. Yeah. Oh, well, that's well. That when we were talking about your little hypothetical there, you go, oh, well, they take their whole turn two. They're not taking their whole turn two because they're probably going to daze you. <laughs> if they're wasting landing you, they're dazing you as well. Most, I mean, that's the typical play pattern. Yeah. So it's like, I'm going to daze you and wasteland you. And like, there's more yeah, going right. on there. You know what I mean? So it's just, I, I would love if someone could explain that beyond the fact of beyond the obvious. Yeah. Of just like, if there's some interaction or something that I'm missing there, but I, I can't, I don't see anything. And with Thalia, it costs eight. Right. So uh, then we got Chalice of Void, Chrome Mox, and Lotus Petal. You know, Mox and Petal mm. accelerate your stuff out. Void, obviously. What if, now hear me out, what if it's there just for when you get to the end of the dungeon? I think you get to play a spell for free, don't you? I thought it was a creature spell. Oh, like, maybe it's a creature spell. If if so, that, I mean, that would make perfect sense. Because because that's really all, in my opinion, I'm looking for for that, is like something other than dropping a seven drop. Yeah. Four four, or I guess two four fours. Nah, it's a creature card. Yeah, thought so. So the other card that's kind of that's interesting that we haven't seen before or talked here, about here. at all. In the second, so you could in the second level of that dungeon, instead of putting two plus one plus one counters on a creature, you could scry your Amiria's call away. Cool. <laughs> Sounds. That's probably the best thing to do in most cases. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why that's there. Yeah. Um. So we've got this card called Touch the Spirit Realm. Oh, that's a cool card. Yeah. Dude, this deck is half a fucking standard deck. I know. it's It's got some cool stuff in it. So, like, dude, Thalia, plenty to talk Anointed about. Peacekeeper, uh, at least Spellbinder rotated out, but that was hella popular in standard. Yep. Um, And Touch the Spirit Realm. This is, this is like, this is a big chunk of a standard deck. Um, So we've got, it's three mana, again, two generic and a white for an enchantment. When it ETBs, exile up to one target artifact or creature. Is in, in, I when I first saw this, I kind of overlooked. In my head, I just mentally replaced creature with enchantment. The first oh. time I read it, I was like, "Why the hell are we paying three mana for disenchant? Yeah, <laughs> for an O ring disenchant." Yeah. Nope. And then I reread it. Yeah. I do that all the time. I just replace words with crap. Um, so exile up to one target artifact or creature until it leaves the battlefield. So it's an O ring for a creature and artifact. Yep. It's kind of a bad O ring. Yep, and then it's got channel. Two, discard it from your hand, exile target artifact or creature, return it basically flickers one at the end of the end. It's an in-step flicker, not an immediate flicker. Yes. So cool. I think that's a really cool card. I think that card's I think so we talked about Well, one of the big things, I don't know if you're gonna say it, but it takes back the initiative. It takes back the initiative. Uh channel is uncountable, very yep. important. It it does like we're talking about with Palace Jailer, where it uh, could force bad blocks, it can uh present lethal. It yeah it takes back initiative. It resets Merktide. It it's very cheeky. It's a protection spell. It is it is um. Well, buys you a turn against Emrakul, doesn't it? It buys a turn against Emrakul. It will it buy it would kill a Merit Lage. 
It's so flexible. It's uncounterable and flexible. Now, against Merit Lage, you're working against uh, Sajiri yeah, Step. Yeah, there, there's, and, you know, there's, there's counterplay. There's counterplay, but uncounterable. Uh, does um, does the one that costs zero, the seven mana counterspell, does that counter abilities as well? There's an Eldrazi counterspell that costs seven, but if it's targeting a creature with power ten or more, it's free. I'd have to look. I don't know okay, off the top so, of my yeah, head. You got counterplay there. But when I see Touch of Spirit Realms, um, I think it's horribly underplayed in other formats because it is... Um, it is pretty a little overpriced for a flicker effect, maybe, but it is so versatile. Yeah, it is uncounterable for the most part, and so versatile. The mm. ability to yeah remove their blocker um, or get into a double block and uh, um, blow them out. Reset these creatures with not ETBs, but like huge counters. You know, creatures get tons of plus plus counters right now. Um, you can pair it like. <laughs> Think about solitude. Yep, I you was could, just about to say solitude. It, it's it's a shitty ephemerate for your own solitude. So you could pitch for solitude, then touch a spirit realm and bring it back. You get to keep your solitude. You get two of their creatures, so you're still down one card, but you have a three-two with lifelink. Um, it's a really versatile card. I'm not saying it's a legacy staple. I'm not saying it. It's be, great for this deck, but like it's such a good card. Touch because, a spirit realm is such a good card. Yeah. I don't know how good Channel was the first time we were in Kamigawa because I wasn't playing Magic then. Uh, it didn't exist. Oh, Chan- no, Channel was a thing, wasn't it? No, not in the original Kamigawa. I thought the, I thought the original Kamigawa uh, lands had Channel. Maybe. I could be wrong there. I believe you could channel the original Kamigawa land. Well, there was there was multiple legendary lands from Kamigawa. Some of them like... I didn't mean all. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. Let, me, let me rephrase. I believe there was a cycle of Channel lands in the original Kamigawa. You might be right there. I don't know if they're good or not. What I was going to say is, whether or not that was good, they did... Channel's really strong. When they when they went back to Kamigawa, Channel was very strong. I don't know. I'm willing to concede the point I don't really care as far as that goes. It, you, I think there is. I'm not I'm you, not 100%, but I'm pretty sure. confident. Um, so, yeah. they. I can tell you this. They didn't see much play. <laughs> yeah, I knew that. Because <laughs> I definitely know the Kamigawa lands that don't have... The, uh-huh. So, there's like the... Uh, oh, it's the Shinzo and the... Yeah, so like the blue one bounces the legendary, like the white one... Yeah, the red one gives them first strike, the white one gives them yes. protect, whatever those fear. are. Fear. Yeah. yeah, the black one gives target legendary. Those are the ones I think of when I think of those lands. So, um, but... It would not be the first time that a card existed that I just overlooked or knew about and just well, I mean, completely written off. Especially Champions of Kamigawa cards. Yeah. Plenty of bad ones in there. Um, so moving on to the sideboard. Uh, we haven't, we've seen most of this stuff. So it's got Swords, Containment Priest, Null Rod, Mind Sensor, Fairy Macabre, Loran uh, of the Third Path. So this is a three mana, again, two generic and one white. Well, that's going to be kind of a recurring theme here with the Soul Lands. Uh, for 2-1 Vigilance, when an ETBs destroy up to one target artifact or enchantment. Yeah, fair enough. And then tap you and target opponent draw each draw card. I think you're right. Maybe maybe they didn't change. Because I can't find Well, there was, there, was, there was some stuff in the Lorwyn block that did that. Like, there was one white card that could do it. It was, I think, a Kithkin-related card. Maybe I'm thinking of that then. But I will concede, I will concede the point that I googled uh, Champions of Kamigawa Channel Lands and nothing came up. So maybe you're right. I'll tell you what, regardless, they did channel pretty good this time. Oh, yeah, they're, well, they're very powerful. They're Whether very or not powerful. they did them well, I don't know. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, about, I think about probably the only one would be uh, the green one, Baseju. That's probably the only one that's questionable. The rest see yeah. some play, but don't really take over nope. anything. Baseju's probably... The rest of them cost an appropriate amount. Yeah. Not to say it's bannable or anything like that, no. but it's probably one of those cards where formats would be better without it. Mm-hmm. Um. So we got another touch the spirit realm on the side, and then two mind break chaps for various combo matches. So 
What's this Lauren of the Third Path? Everyone's talking about this card. Uh, it's a disenchant on a two-one vigilance, and then you and target opponent each draw a card. I don't know. I mean, I get your mono white here, so like your options <clears throat> are limited. But yeah, it's a three mana two-one that disenchants, and you can make each of us draw a card, which is almost never a good idea. But okay. I mean, in fairness, maybe if your cards are just better at beating the death. I to me, I look at that and I see the total four touch spirit realms and i go that's in there because it's reclamations age and like there's a lot of artifacts running around this yeah. it's going to be good in the mirror it's going to be good against like the red prison decks it's going to be good against eight cast like yeah. there's so many artifacts running around i see reclamation sage that occasionally you might tap to like there's again it's magic there's corner cases where you need a card <laughs> like you know, i lose it doesn't matter what they have i lose if i don't draw yeah. x here i'll tell you what let me sell you on this scenario, right? So your opponent brainstorm, and you're pretty sure they just put, oh, no, I meet you in the middle. No, at the end of your turn, they crack a fetch land, and they put Terminus back on top. Draw a card. And then before, because they're bad at magic, yep. <laughs> clearly, because they didn't do it in your upkeep like they should have. Mm -hmm. No, you can. You can, you, you, you can have counterplay in this exact scenario on your upkeep. They crack a fetch land, Mystic Sanctuary, trigger on the stack. Draw the card. card. Yep, there you go. Yeah, you. I mean. <laughs> Corner cases, guys. Made it work, guys. Now, granted, you did just give them a card. <laughs> yes. It's but a it's card not they wanted on the, it's but not, it's not Terminus. terminus and, you yeah. do, and they are going to Terminus on their turn. But and then you, you, you look down, they draw their six land, which was the next card, uh -huh. <laughs> play it and cast it anyways. Well, the problem is Terminus <laughs> is still on top. Yes. <laughs> so you have to kill them this turn. Yeah. Anywho. Now that we've spent a half hour on one deck, uh, next up, hey, a no, red-white version of that. I'm excited. I'm happy to give this deck it's a bunch of time. Me too. Like like I said, this is uh, yeah, I remember the most excitement out of Legacy we've had in a Thraben, long time. Uh, Phil Gallagher at Thraben University put a t Twitter post up. I guess a lot of people are like acting like the Legacy sky is falling. Because of this? Because of this. And he was his whole gist was like, guys, it's a new deck. Legacy will adjust. Everyone needs to calm down. And I'm reading it being like, I'm ecstatic about this. Why are people who's upset? Well, believe me, there's a brief rant that I'm going to go on after we get done talking about the challenge about this. Okay. So, uh, and it's not anti this. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, so now we've got a red-white version of the same thing. This is going to have a mix of some of the stuff we saw last week and some of the stuff we just talked about. we got the Peacekeeper. we got the Archon of Ameria, which we talked about last week. Mm -hmm. Simeon Spirit Guide, which is basically just more Lotus Petals for this Absolutely. deck. Um, White Plume Adventurer, again. Now we've got the Caves of Chaos Adventurer that we saw in the Red yeah. Prison deck. I mean, realistically, our only actual red card here. Yes. Um, although, yep, they don't even run any... Uh, any blasts either mm -mm. so we've got caves of the uh caves of chaos adventure we've talked about that card a bunch on previous podcasts with model red prison yep um then we got palace jailers back season dungeoneer solitude and chancellor of the annex yep so that's fucking crazy that's we dedicated four slots of our deck on the off chance to slow our opponent down one turn the fact of the matter is when like this one goes really hard on trying to get it out turn one, like trying like one, turn yeah. one or turn two, and if you if you're running lotus petals, like if you go lotus petal, lotus petal, Simeon spirit guide, ancient tomb, like some combination of four mana for yeah. that cave, caves of chaos adventure, yeah, that a, needs to resolve. It's a five three trampler that then the next turn will turn into a, a seven, seven five. five. Mm, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty and if they go scary. force of will, you lose. 
Oh, like, I forgot. Don't forget, uh, this this Caves of Chaos, whenever it attacks, exile the top card of your library. Oh, it's if you've completed a dungeon, you may play that card. So late game, or- In theory, you could cast your Amarius yeah. Call. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That allows you to play it for free. If yeah. you haven't completed a dungeon, you just get to play a card. So every turn oh. it attacks, you, you get just, a card off the top. You just get a card off the top. And then if you happen to be later in the game and you've completed one dungeon, it's just free. So you could you could you could scry it to the top with one initiative trigger and then play it for free with this one. So, unfortunately, they're not running the Amarius though. Oh, uh, they got them. They're down there. Oh, they're under. They're they're underneath They've the March, March of Other Worldly yeah, Lights. March of Other Worldly Lights. There's eight copies of Amarius Call. In this Which legacy. again, you're talking about. In my opinion, I see March of Other Worldly Light as more solitudes in this. Mm-hmm. What they want to do is they want to be using all their mana, committing. Mm-hmm dropping these three and four drops and any spells I'm going to cast, I'm going to be pitching other cards to do it because these initiative cards generate so much card advantage and just value in general. Uh-huh. And they just kill you so quick. Yeah. They kill you quickly, which is, I mean this functionally you're looking at burn decks. That's really what you're trying to do is like, they're trying to get that virtual card advantage that a burn deck does yep. where it's like, it doesn't matter if you have seven cards in your hand, if you're dead. Yeah. Yeah. If I have, yeah, if I have three cards in my hand and you have five in your hand, you have zero cards in your hand now. You're dead. Right. Those five cards don't count. Yeah. So uh, the rest of the deck looks the same. The sideboard is wildly different. It is. <clears throat> and this is what I was talking about, about the uh, going all in on turn one. Yep. Two Cavern of Souls, Cavern of Souls, two Gemstone Caverns, mm-hmm. and then four uh, Swords, three Trinospheres, and four Late Land of the Void. Yeah. Like, that is all about it. That's a yeah wild list. Don't counter my shit. I won game one, so I'm gonna try and explode on game two. Yep. Uh, you don't get to have blockers. You don't get to play the game, <laughs> and fuck your graveyard. <laughs> very <laughs> concise, very concise sideboarding. I love it. Um, next deck, uh, blue red Delver. Um, the only thing I was interested in was to see if they would, if Delver was going to try to pivot against the white decks. Not I know they haven't. I haven't seen anything that like screams mm-hmm. anti-initiative. I don't even see anything in the sideboard. Like, yeah, I mean, like that's what I mean. Like the braids, maybe because braids is going to catch most of those creatures to go with your uh, your four bolts. Yeah, but no, I don't see really anything in here. Uh, and braids also going to get your chalice of the voids most yeah. of the time. That's yeah, it. That's it's true. a decent answer for that. Um, so then we got eight cast. I'm going to try to skim through the ones we've talked about quite yep. a bit. Um, eight cast. I don't see anything super new either. Well, that's the downside of if we spend forty minutes talking about two brand new super cool decks we're probably gonna spend a little less time on the chaff yeah. and and eight cast is kind of chaff well and not that we need to dedicate a ton of time to it but now we've got maverick oh yeah so wait uh, is it maverick or is it elves matt because those are basically the same thing now right this is saying elves <laughs> yeah um emperor is going to be very happy if you hadn't seen this already mm-hmm. uh so knight of the reliquary is playable in a not uh merit lage deck right so, A, super excited. Yes. B, we don't have to go over the whole thing. A lot of it's, like, we can hit the highlights. You've got your some hierarchs in there and some birds and stuff like that, which is typical. Uh, trying to get, not only just accelerate stuff out, but getting that uh, I'd see. early but, night if you need it or whatever. You can probably set your new card. There, there's, like, there's probably like, three individually unique new cards in this from, yeah. a, from what you would have expected to see in Maverick, like, two years ago. Yeah. So, strictly speaking, Ignoble Hierarch is a new card. That's true. But it's Noble Hierarch, just different colors. 
So yeah. you got you have access to some slightly different options for sideboards and whatnot, but and it does you're the only same. running two noble higher you're only running two hierarchies yeah. in total. Anyway. And then they've got the two birds. Um we've got uh Night of Autumn, which we've seen before. Yep. Um Minskin Out- Boo is Out- the big one. Outland Liberators, technically yeah. a relatively new card. Again, that's they're effectively just uh reclamation sages. Yeah. S- yeah. Because you you pay three, it's just probably, not an ETB. It's an activated ability. Yeah, probably a slightly better. Yeah, I would say slightly better in this deck for sure because you don't have elf synergies at all. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, you get your it's boost. also oh. one thing that does matter. It's also cost one less to Green Sun Zenith out. Oh, that's very relevant as well. Yeah. Yeah, costing. I mean, one less three to four is. It a big still jump. costs the same two. Yeah. To, to Green Sun and use, mm-hmm. but. That can matter, and I think there's a lot to be gained. There's a lot of situations where uh, you can having the ETB versus an activation is going to really fuck your opponent over. Yeah, like you can stall up a lot of well, boards. Torpor orb. Uh huh. Tor- yeah, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, you can. That's like we were talking about the three two, uh, three three versus a bunch of two twos. You can stall a lot of boards by just slamming Outland Liberator and saying your move opponent. I may have responses. Right. Um, then we got Minskin Boo, which we've discussed. Yep. At if you, length, if you've got red and green, which makes perfect sense in this deck. Like, oh yeah, this mid rangey living in three to four mana anyway. Yep. Oh yeah. Now we've got Punishing Fire, which is something that feels there's, weird. There's been plenty of Punishing Fire decks. So like Punishing Jun used to be a thing back in the day. In this, well yeah, back when you could kill your opponent over twenty turns. Right. So, but I've been playing Magic in the last year or two, not ten. It's one of those things, like, I look at it as it probably doesn't cost you a ton once you're, so you're, once you're already in red, yeah, it probably doesn't cost you a ton. Because most of the time with this deck, you almost don't, I'm not, again, we're, there's corner cases, yeah. but you're swinging with, like, 10-10s ten yeah. with, like, Man. giant knights and whatnot. I'm you, you know what you know what it looks like it costs, in my opinion, what it costs to run Punishing Fire? Is you gotta fucking draw Punishing Fire sometimes. Yeah. Oof. Now but, I I'll give credit as I as I throw shade. Uh, Phil Esh, Phil Ash, Phil Ash, um, obviously did way better than I do in in these tournaments. I think that's a really really risky decision to run three punishing fire in your Maverick deck. But yeah, this is but this deck is designed to be grindy as hell. Yeah. So you've got not only do you have Minskin Boo, you've got Punishing Fire, you've got Sylvan Libraries, and mm-hmm. then you've got Fable of the Mirror Breakers. Of course, you have Fables. I would. So yeah. like grindy, grindy, grindy. Like yeah, that's just, true. Value out the butt. Um, I don't even know if I consider. I mean, like, punishing fire is technically value. I, mean, I should say that it is value, but like in the barest of sense, where you're spending four mana, three mana to deal a damage, two damage. Well, I. Well, no, you get you have to give them a life. I know, but I'm not. When I look at value, I'm not talking about doming them for one. It's that's not why you. In essence, that's not why you run it. You run it because it's a repeatable shock for creatures to keep the boards clear. So what are we, and I don't, I mean, I don't mean this rhetorically, what are we shock? What are we wanting to shock? What are we looking forward to shocking? Obviously, Elves is very good against all Elves decks. And, the way that's, and Elves is a very powerful, I'm not knocking Elves at all. It's a very powerful deck. It gets uh, a decent amount of stuff in the white decks. Not everything, but it gets a decent amount of them. Okay. So it's, you, it's pretty good against, and it's good against Death and Taxes as well. Yep. It's good against Delver, specifically. Delver nothing, nothing and, else. Nothing else in Delver really, and a, a, in an, DRC, an un, an untransformed DRC. Yeah, which, I mean, those exist. Yeah, yeah, it does, and it's yeah, those that's a thing. Um, there aren't no targets. Yeah. I just don't think there's a ton. I have to look at the. But there, there aren't no targets. It hits Ragavan in Modern, but you know those cards aren't legal in the same format. Right. It's a couple things in eight cast. 
obviously the tokens, but a couple things in eight cast. So uh, it does gets, it hit Psy? It doesn't hit Psy. Psy's a one four. Not a whole lot does oh, hit Psy. <laughs> Never mind. It does hit Emery, um, and Emery's, Thought Monitor. Emery's big. Yeah. Any of the tokens, obviously, it would hit. Um, hey, hitting the Thought Monitors can be huge too. Uh, and we don't need to go through every creature. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's a handful. There's but yeah, it's one of those like that is probably. That's the most questionable thing, but the mm-hmm. fact of the matter is, like the flip side, I look at that and I go, well, this is the first time we've seen Maverick show up in a while, so maybe this guy's onto something. That's true. Yeah, maybe, maybe that, maybe Punishing Fire is something more relevant than we think. Yeah. Or um, maybe Maverick could be better without Punishing Fire. I'm could just be. saying. Um, Person who doesn't well, play that, magic. That to me screams medical, like where it's like when Punishing Fire is good, you run it. Yeah. Like. And when it's not, you just leave it out and play something else. So apparently they thought it was good. Apparently they thought it was good. And they, they okay. carried him to the top eight. Yeah. Sideboard, uh, pretty much seen all this stuff. Carpet of Flyer, Flowers, definitely. Carpet inside. of Flyers. Carpet of Flyers. Yeah, it's outside some, you know, furniture it's, store. It's I was gonna say it's you know, you know that bulletin board on college campuses that yep. has a hundred things. Carpet of Flyers. To um, no. Delver Secrets is Carpet of Flyers. Uh so we got Deafening Silence, Pyroblast, Gaddock Teague, which I love Gaddock Teague. Uh, I, on top of the fact that I just love Kithkin because they're basically hobbits. Yeah. He's also a fantastic card. Imagine um, if Gaddock Teague was printed five years ago and just said opponents. Yeah. He'd be way better, <laughs> wouldn't it? Sure would. Uh, choke, Force of Vigor, Mind Break, Trap, and Fury. So, like, again, pretty standard stuff that we've seen. Uh, got Sneak and Show. Bunch of decks we haven't talked about in a while. Yeah. So... <clears throat> Archon is Archon of Cruelty is forcing its way into Sneak and Show. Yeah, one you, way or the other. Did you think Archon of Cruelty would be fighting for Simeon Spirit Guide and Grizzlebrand slots? Right. Because I did not think that. We have one Simeon Spirit Guide and three Grizzlebrands for this uh show and uh sneak sneak and show deck. This is sneak and this is sneak and show, not uh, Yeah, there's no there's no, no uh, omniscience. Yeah, no omniscience. This is not Omni Show. Yeah. Typically, I, just so you know, typically referred to as Omni Tell. I don't know why. It's Sneak and Show and OmniTel. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Magic I, players are weird. <laughs> and I knew that. I don't know why my brain yep. locked up there. Because we're tired from work. Um, but yeah, pretty standard stuff here. Uh, Fable of the Mirror Breaker still in here. Uh, apparently it's still good enough to just cast that and ride it to victory. I mean, good. it does a lot. We've talked about the card ad nauseum again. But like, I mean, draw two, discard two. Or discard a, two, draw two. That's almost only what you're running it for. The treasure token is not irrelevant, but it's close because you already have three mana when you're casting it. Uh, it does help with the sneak attack, obviously. But like Kiki Jiki in this deck does literal nothing. Uh, Archon's non non legendary. Oh, I guess that's in true. The- I mean, I you're talking ab- true. about. I mean, that's a crazy win more scenario yeah. where you flipped a fable and have an Archon out, and yeah. you somehow still need to make well, copies f- of your Archon you every turn. You flipped a fable, you passed, it came back to you, and then you get an Archon out. So yeah. I mean, like, yeah, it's pretty narrow. Um, but it does do something. It but does. that's what we talk about. <laughs> yep. Narrow well, corner yeah, cases. Yeah, those corner cases. I, mean, I think you're right that Fable of the Mirror Breaker, just drawing two, discarding two, just is making a 2 2 that's going to be generating treasure, so it needs to be answered, and just digging through your deck a little bit more. Yeah. Um, Effective card advantage, basically. When you're playing a combo deck, rum, or um, Faith Eluding is card advantage. Yeah. Uh, sideboard stuff, Meltdown, uh, Surgical, Defense Grid. Brothers this, End. What the fuck is this Brothers End card? So three mana sorcery, a generic, and two red. Choose oh. one, deals three damage to each creature in each planeswalker, or destroy all artifacts with mana value three or less. So a pretty good uh, anger with uh, anger, anger of the, of the gods. gods. Yeah. 
Anger of the Gods or uh, pretty much in Legacy Disenchant. Yeah. So yep. mass in Legacy. That's, that's pretty much a mass disenchant. Or yeah. a, uh, well, I mean, it's fracturing. great against all like kinds of stuff, like a fracturing gust. Yeah. You're gonna get their uh, torpor orbs, or no, they wouldn't run torpor orb against you, but you're gonna get their uh, Graf Jigger's cages, their Chalice of the Voids, Chalice of the Voids. All basically any of their hate pieces. What else would they run against you with an artifact? I mean, it, it does wreck shit against eight cast. Yep. Does does pretty good fucking work there. At least cleans stuff up a lot. It does. It doesn't yeah. hit a lot of their cards, but it hits all the tokens. It hits all the tokens. I mean, it hits all their free well, artifacts. Yeah, too. they're it's... free. They're free art. I'm. I was thinking Sorry. creatures. Yeah, but so yeah. It kills Emery, as we established. It does not kill Psy. But if you run the Brothers End and Punishing Fire, you can kill a Psy. There you go. Corner cases. Just double lightning bolt. <laughs> that feels good, right? <laughs> <laughs> I see it happen. It happens a lot in Standard, obviously, because Standard's so much worse. But there's a couple times. I mean, one of the premiums of Standard or in standard, is running something with, let's say, four health because you've got lightning strike and shock. and like it's If yeah. you're going to spend three mana and, and two cards to kill my four toughness, go, go for it, bud. Yeah. I'm probably winning that game. I love it when my 4-4 four, four makes my opponent discard two cards, tap three lands, and gains me five life. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good. Not to mention what else it did. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever it blocked yeah. or attacked or held up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rounding out the top eight, we've got another blue-red Delver list yeah. with nothing exciting in it. So I'm not even going to – we That's don't even fine. need to cover it. We, we went pretty deep on the Legacy yeah. this week. We had some fun stuff in Legacy, though. Yeah. So uh, metagame summary. Again, take out some of this stuff with a grain of salt because of the data scraping issues. Uh, blue-red Delver, six of the top 32. Other six of the top 32. Uh, Goldfish is listing these as mono-white Stoneblade. Yeah. Uh, it's those initiative stompy lists. Yep. There's – the community doesn't seem to have settled on an exact name for these yet, probably because half the community wants to get rid of them, which is ridiculous, and I'll get to that in a second. Um, but whatever. And God knows what Goldfish is going to call them. Yeah. <laughs> we Dude, might be stuck with Mono White Stoneblade forever, regardless of the fact that they don't have Stoneblade in them. Just for consistency, for uh, six decks for Delvers, 18 and eight, almost 19%. Yeah. That that. that Eighteen point seven five percent. Not to be rude, to, to my brain that makes more sense than six out of thirty-two. Nineteen yeah. percent ish. Yep. Just do some quick math. Um, then the other notable hits we got eight cast, uh, reanimator, maverick. There's two, so apparently there's a second maverick deck. I'm getting proxies thrown at me. <laughs> hey, hey, we don't distinguish between real and fake cards, Matt. <laughs> oh, I bet you if I threw your actual blood crypt, you'd distinguish real fucking. I would. Quick. Uh, I'd be. Yeah. Stop throwing real cards. <laughs> Uh, elves with two, Maverick with two, and then a bunch of one ofs. Sneak and Joe, Stoneblade, Doomsday, that kind of crap. Uh, most played cards. This is nice. Lotus Petal, Force of Will, Brainstorm Ponder, Swords of Plowshares. That's really nice to see. Brainstorm and Ponder are only in 34% of the decks in this top 32. Matt, what am I supposed to do when Brainstorm isn't in 65% of decks? Enjoy Legacy for once. Did you notice that a lot of the decks are down to maybe one Pyroblast in the main? I I noticed, I saw that, uh, well, we didn't really talk about a ton of red decks that were running Pyroblast, basically yeah. the other Delver decks. Yeah. Well, like but, that, well, that four-color control deck had one in the main. A mm-hmm. lot of the Delver decks, I think, had one well, in the main. When they were swapping in Unholy Heat. Yep. That will kill those yes. initiative dudes. That Pyroblast doesn't touch. Yep. Uh, and so even in the sideboard, for example, this red Delver, this mono-red deck, um, we still have four... We still have four Pyroblasts in the side, one in the main. So it puts us, or sorry, 
three and one for a total of four down from like six, six or seven six or seven yeah um so we did top cards top creatures solitude thalia fairy macabra oh delver and drc uh can i just interrupt you one more time sure thank you you're welcome um top spells <laughs> lotus petal force of will brainstorm ponder swords people pay us for this <laughs> yep and if you'd knock it out maybe more people wouldn't <laughs> but so, it wouldn't be us anymore i know that's true we could be stodgy old farts and just actually no the one thing that i want to talk oh, about oh yeah yeah absolutely take it over if anybody if i see anybody talking about wanting to ban this initiative crap like just if you see anybody just tell them to shut the fuck up we've dealt with almost two years of blue red delver being the deck yeah not undisputed by like, a lot the deck head and shoulders above everything else and i swear to god if wizards ban something out of this before they ban something out of blue red over i'm done with legacy yeah if they like, if they're gonna jump in and say actually a four mana three two that lets right. you take the initiatives too good right like so like can we i'm just trying to get out ahead of this yes i know new decks are scary to legacy players but can we please just let them play this isn't some like Delver has been the best deck mm. since Innistrad, on and off. Like it's For not sure. always the best thing, For sure. but it's always in the top. It it's, hasn't always been oppressive, right? But it's always been good, yep. some form of it. We've got a new deck. It's what we've been asking for for a non-blue fair deck. Yeah. Again, I know it probably feels unfair because it's powerful and it's non-blue. Yep. <laughs> so the blue decks are probably like, oh my god, Brainstorm's not quite enough yeah. to win the game here. Turns out when you don't get Ancestral Recall, you need to be pretty fucking good. Right. So, like, white cards are winning. Let's take a step back. <laughs> <laughs> the world's not ending. No. There's still more Delver in here than there is any other deck. Yep. Like. By a lot. We don't need to be. I, Because I know, I, I, as soon as I saw this, I was like. I started putting putting together this rant because I'm just like, I know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. And people, people are going to, like, the sky's falling. Yeah. There's a new deck. Oh my God. How do I, this deck is unbeatable. It's so good. What do we do? Right. So don't not, worry, bud. It's fine. And even if it's good, even if this then becomes the best deck, that still doesn't mean that nope. it's worthy of being a band. Like, Nope, it doesn't. It would need to be so oppressive. Think, because think about this. Oh yeah, because if it was so bad to ban it, it would have to be bad enough that you'd be willing to go right back to blue red yep. Delver being the next best thing. Well, let's say hypothetically, what if uh, it was on average like twenty to twenty-two percent of the meta every week, occasionally thirty-five percent of the meta? I have. Should we ban it then? Authoritative sources that say it's only nine percent of the meta. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> Because I've been told when uh, Delver is 35% of a Legacy Top 8. That, that there's nothing wrong. Sorry, top, eight, top 32. That Legacy is in a healthy place and no changes are needed. Right. So this is finally something. This is what we've been asking yes, for. Yes, it is. We have a Top 8 with a bunch of non-blue decks. We have non-blue yep. fair decks. I we mean, have combo decks. We have tempo decks. We have like, aggro decks and control decks. This Top 8 has all four major archetypes. Yeah. Can we, like... Relax. And it probably isn't just because of that, but like Sneak and Show for the first time in a long time is back. Maverick for the first time in ever is back. Um, a Boros deck in Legacy is good. Like, it's it, this is crazy. In 10th place, uh, we didn't talk about it, but there's an Esper Stoneblade list in 10th place that's like Baleful Strix and Displacer. Like, Displacer Kitten is back. Yeah, and it's not even combo Displacer Kitten, I don't think, is it? That's it's a fairy. 
Is that is that just the combo? Yes, uh, it's, it's a very two. time raveler, a zero drop. Oh yeah, that's that's right, kitten. that's right. I, but like, yep. you have like a dis- you have displacer kitten that's back because yep. the because pyroblasts are going down. I'm guessing like you've got you've got a cool esper combo deck in tenth place. Yeah. Uh, Doomsday was in eleventh. Well, I know these these numbers might be wrong actually. So then their place yeah. in the top thirty two. Whatever you had this deck, these decks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you had another. It, there's another Maverick deck down there too. Yep, like I said, there were two of them. There were two Maverick and two Elves. Yeah, like can we please relax as a community? This isn't some case of like some historically dominant yeah. deck rearing its ugly head yeah. again. This isn't a case of um, Blue Red Delver got another huge upgrade. This is a deck out of the ether playing a bunch of four drops. Yeah, a bunch of standard cards, like literal a standard bunch of legal cards. Standard cards, yeah. And they're not even it's not even the like Throne of Eldraine level no. standard cards where like these cards are just dominating every format. Because the thing I'm worried about is so what tends to happen is once you kind of like break the seal on banning something. Oh well, yeah. So like initiative has already been banned out of Popper. So yeah. people are going to use that as a justification. Yeah. Oh, well, it was too strong for Popper. Totally different cards, totally different format. They're yep. literally not even the same cards. Whereas Oko was banned out of standard, then, you know, yeah. modern, like they all just, of them. it was the same card because it was too powerful for all these formats. Mm-hmm. The the Popper cards were different cards in a different format. Yeah. Like, but this is legacy. You'll have, those arguments will exist. You're right. Where it's like, well, hey, it's already got banned once. Right. Clearly, it's too good for something. Right. And it's like, yeah, well, we have Force of Will. Yeah, so. It would be so hard. It, it'd be so hard to convince me that a card that costs four mana and can't be cheated out effect- efficiently on its own needs to be banned in Legacy. What are you fucking talking about? We have Swords to Plowshares and <laughs> Force of Will. Well, and again, in theory, it could happen. It could. But like, it take a lot. We're going to need some data. Because I've already seen comments talking about this. Like, the, the week it happened, people were like, I'm already tired of playing against Initiative. Oh my God! Seriously, so I don't like the play patterns. But Wasteland like, Days is fine. But Wasteland Days is fine. Ancient Tomb into Chalice of Void is fine. Watching me glimpse for the next twenty minutes is uh-huh. fine. Show and tell on turn one is fine. In fairness, if you're taking twenty minutes to glimpse, you need to learn your deck better. Sometimes it takes a minute. But yeah, I was, yeah. Th- this is where you draw the line. Really, this is this is too much. Yeah, it's just. No, I agree. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> right. It's. Let white be good for a minute. Yeah, the no entire shit. magic community has bitched nonstop about yeah. white sucking. Hey, white's good. Let it be good. Let it be good. Yeah, it's not even death and taxes either. I know. We- it's not and like it's not death and taxes, that deck where it's like, hey, I'm gonna win in twenty turns. Yeah. It doesn't even drag the game out. Nope. Establish an advantage and finish your opponent yeah, off. Yeah, quite the exact opposite, actually. So anywho, that's my little rant. I just I can already see it coming. I've already seen inklings of it. I just <clears throat> like knock that shit off. Yeah, I agree. I agree very much. All right, you ready to go to Modern? I suppose. Will you figure out who won the Modern event? Got to do everything around here. I was scrolling through lists, and it just popped up with Golgari Elves in Modern, and it was just a league. And I'm like, yep, that makes sense. Still no uh, challenge appearances for Modern Elves. Sad to say. Uh, Hiddle Dude, one, two, three. Jeez. You mean the seventh place person? Yep. Not even close. All right. <clears throat> so same as, you know, we're still getting we're still getting our data scrubbed wrong. So all we're going to do is we'll go through it'll do one, two, three first and then hit the rest of them in order. Now, I will tell you, there are um, at least two really cool decks in Modern this week. Uh, one of them, 
both of them that have existed, one of them has existed for a long time, but one of them kind of popped out of nowhere and is pretty sweet to see. I don't think Modern was a showcase. It's not labeled as a showcase. Um, I don't follow the tournament schedule well enough to know for sure. So I'm not positive, but it's not labeled as a showcase. It's so. not listed as one on on their yeah, website either. It's a regular challenge for Modern. So like I said, in first place, It'll Dude, one, two, three, with a uh, three color. Oh gosh, what is it? Jeskai with a jet with a three color Jeskai Gigantha list. Um, this is with it being Jeskai and Gigantha. It's grinding station. So you've got Ragavan, Legislator, Emery's, Teferi's, a bunch of removal, and expressive iteration, of course. Your finisher with grape shot, and then a bunch of free shit. Mistress Bobble. Yeah. Oh, there's your Mox Ambers, I guess. Yep. Oh, Mox Amber. We were talking about this before the podcast. Mox Amber is legal in modern. Um, which one's not legal? Mox Opal. Mox Opal isn't legal. We were talking about why Mox Amber is so expensive. Um, no, we were talking about it was Mox Opal because it's the one in Hammer Time. Mox Opal. Is it Mox Opal? Yeah. In Legacy Hammer Time. I don't get why it's so expensive. But yeah, you're right. We were talking about Mox Opal because it's Hell, the, Mox, Mox Opal. Opal's Mox Amber is still 30 bucks. Well, yeah, but it sees playing modern. Yeah. Mox Opal only really sees play in whatever, but it's also a lot, a lot older too, I guess. Mox Amber is the newer one. Okay. Um, but yeah, all your zero mana artifacts and then grinding stations and underworld breaches to uh, cycle through your deck, throw it in the graveyard, and then bring out a. Get your grape shot. Or bring out a grape shot, yep. Dome them for 20 or more. Yep. And the cool thing about it is you. Um, like, even if you mill it, it doesn't matter. I'm just you just cast, cast it from, it from the, the graveyard. graveyard. So, like, I, 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 I love when decks are like that, where it's like, I'm just gonna throw everything in the graveyard because I get, to, I, I'm going to literally mill my deck. I get to Yogmoth's will and then draw my deck. Yeah, and then on as a backup plan, Urza Saga. I was actually had a lot. I was actually really cool two weeks ago. I was hanging out with some friends at the Sages Shop. We were playing our in store championship, and I was talking to people that usually play at a different store. So we, you know, they're a little more serious. And we were talking about Modern and Urza Saga specifically. And um, they were on our side where, like, Urza Saga doesn't need to be banned. Like, and the, 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 the ban wave Urza Saga has kind of passed. Yeah. But they were very much on our side or we were on their side, whatever. With just, like, Urza Saga is just a relatively fair, good card that gives powerful buffs to decks that probably needed it anyways. And it's a really cool card, and I'm glad it exists. It's one of those that, like, I wish it didn't exist, but not because of it itself it's more like the design philosophy that leads to that has led to a lot of other problems and i would be willing to sacrifice urza saga in order to get rid of all the other design mistakes and that's reasonable yeah you know like it urza saga is perfectly reasonable in the world of modern like yeah. modern is super high powered like there's urza saga is not even the best thing you can be doing not even close so like it makes perfect sense in context yep. but it's one of those cards and that absolutely should have never been printed and we've already moved well beyond <clears throat> the miniature era of just putting urza saga in your deck with maybe one fetchable yeah. is good enough like it's yeah. very well established that like if you're just making two twos with that it's pretty garbage yeah, unless you're enough. making like six sixes or seven sevens it's not worth running yeah um, sideboard, you've got things like Engineer Explosive, Tormod's Crypt, Pithing Needle, uh, one Prismatic Ending, just to catch some cheeky hate against you, and then a uh, Shadow Spear for the aggro matchups, which makes total sense, Soul Guide Lantern, Spell Pierce, Mystical Dispute, Teferi, Wear and Tear. So a lot of basically hate removal and some extra counter magic, just in case. So we'll, we'll hop back up to the top. So the deck that I claimed was going to effectively disappear without uh, its companion has somewhat kind of come back. They've pivoted with the 
bones kind of the same but different with a different companion so we've got karuga the macro sage this is a five mana three and then it's got hybrid uh blue green when etbs you draw a card for each permanent you control with mana value three or more so it's always going to draw you well presumably it'll draw you one card if it doesn't get killed because uh, i think it's does it each say other? other. Yep, it's either draw a card for each other permanent you can draw. I thought it doesn't count itself. Nope. Man, some of the some someone of the companions wizards suck. Well, some of when someone at wizards must have just oops. Yeah, some of the companions suck. Okay, it's a five mana card that doesn't immediately replace itself. Yeah, so it doesn't even draw for itself. So you've got this. It's listed as five color Omnath. Uh, you do have Omnath. Now this is probably a lot better described as a bring to light deck. Because you've got a little bit all over the place. You've got scape shifts. You've got time warps. Soul of the Wind Grace. Uh, Omnath. Uh, does Bring the Light hit Planeswalkers? No. Creature Instant Sorcery. Yes, or Creature Instant Sorcery. So um, this is a this is Bring the Light that just happens to run Omnath. And Omnath has a great engine for it. You've got scape shift and all of the mountains involved to run a Falicate plan. Uh, of course, you've got Leyline Binding. Because why wouldn't you just run all five colors... I mean, like... Well, you're already in four. You're already in four of them. Like, and why not just splash into the, the... I guess the Wind Grace gives you your fifth. Yeah, it's splashing... I, I would I would actually argue the other way that it's probably splashing into your fifth gets you Wind Grace. Like, I think Leyline Binding shows up before Wind Grace does. Because Solo Wind Grace is okay, but he's not I'm great. not sure about it in this deck. The big reason why... I think this is probably leaning a little bit more... Now, obviously, Leyline Binding is very good. I'm not arguing with you there at all. But Search for Tomorrow makes me think this is a very lands-based kind of deck. Yeah, that they're building this deck around using Soul of Wind Grace and Omnath to take Which, advantage of that kind of effect. So you think this deck's plan A is to ramp, 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 ramp? Well, plan A is scape shift. Yeah, I think the uh, plan A is probably scape shift nine times out of ten. It's the and, most powerful thing to do. And so you think Wind Grace is there just to get one more land drop? Well, Wind Grace is in there because it gives you a ton of value out of the land you already have. You already want a bunch of lands with Omnath because Omnath is clearly going to be plan. What do you mean B. the lands you already have? In like, your graveyard. Sorry. What? Um. You, what's your question? Yeah. I, I was like, what do you mean? Like, it gives you value of the lands you already have. It, it lets you get a land from the graveyard. So, well, like, you, your fetches. I mean, in your hand. Like, oh, I see you what you're get, saying. Like, so you can, di- like, you could, like, it's like pay three to ditch one draw card. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Like, he's, it's a lands based kind of deck where pay he's. Pay two. Sorry. Pay two, ditch one draw card. Yeah. You can so, get, you can gain a little bit of life. Yeah. Gain some life, do some stuff. Like, we the the only reason I would say it's Wind Grace before Leyline is we've seen the wind this basically this deck before or maybe right around the same time maybe it might just be they both popped up into existence I don't remember the exact timeline but we saw this like scape shift Wind Grace deck well, a little wind, bit well Wind Grace and Binding are in the same set well then that makes perfect sense so, so that, that doesn't necessarily probably... well it doesn't necessarily mean they popped up the decks that's very up that's very that's, that's a very good point that's very true that's very true but yeah they're like I. I don't know. It's probably split. I mean, when the leyline mining is a better card here, I mean, in in essence, you're probably it's probably six and one half a dozen in the other. Yeah, I mean, um, we're probably arguing over nothing here. Yeah, but well, we definitely agree that leyline mining is a better card than soul of oh, Grace. I think that's even, not even debatable even in this deck. Yeah, I hundred percent in this deck. Um, but yeah, but that uh, doesn't yeah. necessarily mean it was built with that in mind. Yeah, if that make right. if that makes sense. I think I get you. Like, the game plan of the deck is to abuse your lands in multiple different types of ways. Yeah. Something just struck me. Um, this deck is running eight legendary creatures. Sorry. This deck is running eight copies of two legendary creatures. Remember the days when, like, legendary used to be a cost? Yeah, I know. 
where it's like, I can't run three legendary creatures. What am I going to do when I have one of them stuck in my hand? Yeah, well, the, the biggest thing is they're so strong now that you just want to draw one. Yep. Yeah, it sucks if you draw, but like... Well, and they, the ETB, both of these ETB, one of them ETBs just replaces itself. Yeah. The other one ETBs and doesn't replace itself exactly, but it does ramp pretty well. Well, and the big thing is you're going, like, they're going to kill your Omnath. Mm-hmm. Like, especially in this kind of deck, because you don't have anything else for them to point their removal at. That's very true. So, so yeah, it's just like... Your second Omnath's fine. Yeah, your Omnath, you're just sitting there in, with Omnath in your hand. Man. I mean, how many times have you done that where you're like, please kill... Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. Because it's just like, cool, I'm just... Uh, yeah. I effectively drew a card yeah, because... please turn this fucking Ragavan back on in my hand. Right. Um, <clears throat> you don't play a lot of modern. I don't, you don't think you watch a lot of modern either. Oh my god, dude. Omnath is so fucking impossible to beat. If you're on a beatdown plan, it's just impossible to beat Omnath. Well, I mean, I I don't... Again, I don't play modern, but when we were playing Pioneer, it was the same thing. Like, bring Delight out of Omnath, and I'm yeah. just like... Gain four life a turn. It's just impossible. It like, if you're playing anything that doesn't just, like... Win. Win, yeah, like Boros Aggro, whatever. Cool. Yeah. Now, not only do they have a four four, it's already replaced itself, and they're gaining four life every yeah. turn. It's it's so hard to get past four Boros Charm themselves a turn. Or mm-hmm. no, Boros Charm doesn't deals four or Lightning Helixes. Yeah, Lightning Helix is one. Yeah, so of. a better Lightning Helix. Yeah, man. I played uh, I played against it in Modern. I've watched me play it against it in Modern, and just like the the boards that. Omnath stabilizes just by playing a land a turn and you're like, I was at three life. Now I'm at seven, 11, 15. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow. Well, that's, that's assuming you don't play a fetch. So you oh, play gosh, your fetch, yeah. gain your life. Then it <laughs> comes into play. Now you got, now it's ramping too. Yeah. The turn, yeah, the turn it entered. God forbid they untap with it, play a fetch. And it's like, I have nine mana now. Right. Jeez, well. <laughs> the fucking wheeze. Fuck that fucking thing. I just, Another card on the long list of cards that just never should have existed. A hundred percent. To the sideboard, uh, Endurance, Disputes, to Fairies. Uh, a card that, again, I don't think we see in sideboards enough, Temporary Lockdown. This card's good. amazing if you're playing against any kind of low-to-the-ground wide deck. Temporary Lockdown, one white-white. When it ETBs, exile each non-land permanent with mana value two or less until it leaves the battlefield. So it's a white enchantment. Yep. Um, a very, very good mass removal spell for just low to the ground cheap shit. Uh, I mean, like, it's not going to completely destroy it, but it, like, it's going to be, that's good against Yawgmoth. That's going to wreck most Yawgmoth boards. Hammer Time. Uh, Hammer Time boards, Merfolk boards, uh, a lot of the. The non existent elves. Yep, the non existent elves. Uh, what else, like, do we have on here that will just fucking destroy? Hammer Time's a big one. Uh, well, Rakdos big thing, mid-range. It, it'll hit a lot in Rakdos mid-range. Um, Crash Cade. It gets yep. the tokens. It re- it'll wreck Crash Cade. It, that card is so good. That's three mana, I get that. But like that card is so good. It's so sideboardable, uh, and nobody plays it. Well, and in particular, if you go down a couple more, they also have Culling Ritual. This sideboard is designed for one-sided board wipes. Mm-hmm. Dude, Culling Ritual is also yep. insane. Mm-hmm. Oops, sorry. I got I got clicked on the wrong deck. Yeah, did you did, have you read what calling ritual? A lot of people don't know what calling ritual. Yeah, so does. calling rituals two a black and a green for a sorcery. Destroy each non-land permanent with mana value two or less. Add a black or a green for each permanent destroyed this way. Yeah, there's a lot of situations Seems where good. that's mana positive or even just mana neutral. Yeah, so like, I mean, I, being able to board wipe and follow up with it is, yep. can be backbreaking in and of itself. Being able to like fucking yeah turn two play a board wipe and then follow that with. A play, an endurance, or 
a Teferi or anything. Just being able to board wipe and follow that up. Or, for God's sake, have Teferi and be able to do it on their turn. I'm curious. So one of the things I'm kind of curious about is why Search for Tomorrow over Steve? I thought, I, I when I saw Search for Tomorrow, I thought that was a weird choice. Um, I think objectively it's wrong. But it comes into play untapped. So if you want to pay the extra mana, it comes into play untapped. So if you cast it on turn three, you get a land on turn three that comes into play untapped, right? Yep. Um, you do not have any turn one plays. Right. And that's that's the big thing is, I mean, you're basically, it's kind of a land war elf sort of. So it does give you turn one. Um, and then it comes down on turn three. three yeah. So it's untapped. worse than land war in that. But it is also unboltable. I mean, like, it's... If I had to, if you had asked me why I would play that over a search for tomorrow, is I have things to do on turn two with fire and ice. That's, I don't have anything to do with on turn one. That's basically what I was looking at myself. And actually, don't forget this. So on turn two, actually think about this. Turn two, I want to either doing fire and ice and tapping your tapping your land and slowing you down, or uh, leyline binding you. That's true. Maybe um, leyline binding kicked. That changed that's the, what, it is, what you want to be casting. The turn two leyline binding is probably what took up that turn two slot. You always want to be able to binding on turn two, so you don't want to be steving. So you want to either on turn one search for tomorrow or turn three search for tomorrow, and that search for tomorrow on turn three will leave up Leyline Binding. Yeah. Why the hell does Leyline Binding have Flash? <laughs> Anywho, that's that's oh, a yeah, total no, non sequitur. But... I think I, I was talking to you about it. We were talking at the card, again, at Sage Shop, where like, we could see Leyline Binding getting banned. It, it depends on how much Watsy is okay with a single card warping decks or decks warping around a card. Yeah. Like, this, I think Leyline <clears throat> Binding is on the fact, I'm not, okay guys, I'm not saying it's play rate to get a ban. I'm not saying it's it's power levels close to getting a ban. What I'm saying is, Watsy doesn't like it when every deck warps around one card. Leyline Binding is on the fast track of every deck warping to fit Leyline Binding in it. And that is what makes decks want to, like, I didn't, you can you can scream from the hilltops that we banned Luris because it was too powerful in modern. I disagree. It wasn't. Um, they banned Luris in modern because there was too many decks playing it. There was too many different archetypes, different styles of decks, drastically changing how the deck functioned to play it. And there's a lot of decks that are drastically changing at least their mana bases to play Leyland Binding. So up next, a deck that I do not feel particularly confident in talking about, but I'm very excited to bring up: Simic Hardened Scales by. Uh, yeah. Badslow, Badslow. Yeah, and we talked about this a little bit either last week or the week before. Yes, that. we have seen hardened scales once or twice in the last few months, and that's and also in the last few years. Another, this is just another deck that uh, that temporary lockdown is going to be good against. Yeah, great example. Yeah, temporary lockdown. I mean, there literally isn't a permanent. It doesn't hit in this deck. Yeah, like it wrecks this deck's shit. So um, if you can live that long, if you can live that long, yeah, getting the that's three a, mana can be hard. Yeah. But, in modern, you know, it can be. Imagine if your opponent is dumb enough to be on the draw. <laughs> I know. What a fucking idiot. <laughs> and a loser loses the die roll. Yeah. Me, duh. Every time. So, I know. And you still win, though. I tell you what, if you had better luck, you'd be unstoppable. You're almost unstoppable as it is. Less stoppable. Uh, Simic Harden Scales is a pretty cool deck. It's a very, very old deck in modern. It's a very complicated deck to play, but it involves these crazy synergies with um, uh, the Ozolith. Things like Walking Ballista, Hangerback Walker, uh, Arcbound Ravenger, just the ability to make, uh, I think Patrick <coughs> Automaton is probably one of the biggest additions recently to the deck. Uh, just the ability to make tons of plus one, plus one counters and just kind of shift them around, constantly growing them. And, yep. and every time people. you move them, they get a little bit they bigger. Get a little and... bit bigger. You, and, and sometimes you just straight up double up on them. So you have yeah. things like, 
you know, the Arcbound Ravager, when you're sacrificing things to put counters on stuff, you're putting counters on the Ozlith as well. You're just doubling them. Yeah. So, you know, you sack a creature with, let's say, four plus one plus one counters, four of those counters go, well, and you have hardened scales. So four turns into five on the Ozolith, then four turns into five on the Arcbound Ravager, go to combat, those other five go on the Arcbound Ravager, then you sack them, they go to the fucking Walking Ballista, you get another one. So this deck is a good example, comparing it to the Omnath deck, of what just generating insane card advantage can do for you. They only run three Ozolith. This deck revolves, or like not revolves around it, but having the Ozolith is huge for this deck, yeah. but it's legendary. Yep. So having just one dead card in your hand is worth cutting one from this deck. Yep. Meanwhile, we've got four Omnath and four Lord Windgrace. Yep. <laughs> just because those cards ETB and do a thing. They ETB and do a thing. The Oslo does not ETB and do anything. Right. Well, and on top of that, like you can't move them. Like I mean, I guess you could in theory. Like if you play your Ozolith, you'd sacrifice the other one. Move them and get one. Move. Does it? Hold on. No, that doesn't. No, it's only creature. Yeah. So you'd have to yeah the Ozoth only triggers when creatures leave. Does it? Gotcha. So what if you wanted to, if you wanted to make use of it? What you could do is uh, doesn't Archbound Ravager let you sack artifacts? It does. Yeah. So you could use your you could let's say hypothetically you're in the second main phase. You want to do it before combat. You've moved all your counters off your Ozoth. It's empty. You could use the Archbound Ravager, sack your current Ozoth, play a new one. I'm like it, that. That's atrocious. Yeah. We do not want to be fucking. We do not want to be. Meanwhile, doing that. you could just pay for and just cast on that. You could. It'd, <clears> it'd be a lot better probably. So well, I mean that's Arden Scales is putting in work, so that's arguable at this point. Well, I think in the say, long the individual plays better. Yeah, than, I think I think you could say well the individual deck is better too, <coughs> at least on the numbers, at least recently. Although in fairness, we're seeing Omnath at similar play rates that we see Harden Scales now that it lost. They're uh, both three in the top thirty-two that we uh, that we we lost. I'm really like and I, a lot of people. I went back and forth with a lot of people on this that I didn't say I didn't think the deck was completely dead, but I was like. That four color Omnath Yorion deck is fucked. Well, it, and to be fair, it is. Like it the is. elementals oh, yeah. is really like, I feel I feel confident that I was correct. Like yeah. I, I went back and forth very politely with a lot of people. I'm like, no, nah, the deck's super strong, it's super good, but well, it'll be fine. And I'm like, that deck's fucked. Like that isn't a deck, like that isn't a fucking Gigantha deck that's like, well, you know, I could have a five five in my sideboard because I guess. Or even this this fucking Karuga deck where it's like, I guess I'll put Karuga in the sideboard, maybe I'll draw some cards later. No, Omnath was fucking, or sorry, uh, Yorion was dope in that deck. Everything ETB'd. Yep. Half the time, that was, because half the time those decks were running that fucking Risen Wreath, that thing was pay five mana, draw ten cards. And, and the big thing is you have the threat of that the entire game. Yes. You had that <clears> looming <throat> over your head. It was like, you know, you have got to answer. You, you cannot leave these things on the battlefield. Because they have... That the biggest thing Yorion did in that deck is it gave it inevitability that almost no other deck could compete against. Absolutely, Where it was just like if this game goes long, you're in deep shit. Yeah, I could tell you that on turn zero, where we sat down and you went, "I'd like to reveal my companion," and it's like, "Fuck, I have to win this game relatively yeah. quickly." Yep, I will. Never... I mean, realistically, I need to be way ahead by turn four because that's when Omnath is going to come down, yeah. bog up the board like an mf'er. Yeah. I and... will never outgrind this deck. Nope. Because I don't have <clears throat> I don't have Yorion. Now that's not quite as and much of a problem anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, let's wrap up this hard scale. So I don't go super super deep into hard scales because I don't know the play pattern super super well. Uh, in the sideboard, we do have Grafdigger's Cage, Chalices, uh, a couple of Nature's Claims, Pithy Needle, Progen Relic of Pretendus, Tamio Safekeeping, a really cool little uh, two cards in the sideboard makes sense. It's a cool card. Here's a really cool card. Um, 
that I saw Aspiring Spike play. I was not super into this card until I saw it be played. The Stone Brain. Have you seen this thing? I have. I haven't really it's seen a, it in action, but I have seen it. It's a surgical that you can you can you you can surgical something that isn't in the graveyard now. Oh, now it's going to cool. cost four mana to do it. You got to pay two mana to play it, and then you pay two mana, tap it, exile it. You just pick a card. Choose a card name. You search their graveyard hand and library for up to four cards with that real name or with that name, uh, and exile them. Well, they that's shuffle. an interesting way to get around the lands. So, like typically speaking, it would say non-land card, mm-hmm. but they probably don't want to put search for any uh, non-basic land card. It's probably yep. just too much text. So they go, you know what? We're just going to limit you to four yeah, copies. So if four. you want to steal four forests from you from totally them, go can. for it. That's it's pretty rare where you can steal somebody's basics. Yeah, which again, uh, that's not what the card is about, but it's just an interesting design. It's a cool workaround for yep. it for sure. Um, but yeah, like you can now surgical uh, and they. Uh, they draw a card. So if it's in their hand, they draw a card. And uh, you can only do it as a sorcery. So definitely some limitations there. But, yeah, now you can well, grab a living. Price. Well, you can grab a living end whether they've oh, yeah. got it or not. You can grab their living ends. You can grab their uh, crashing footfalls. You can grab their... Uh, get their Yawgmoth combo pieces or their, their next thing. Which with... I've actually seen. I've actually seen Aspiring Spike a few times. He's running a Karn list. Uh, and this is not run Karn. But you can wish it out. And he would wish it out, and he would just like stone because because Karn can get the stone brain after you do it because yep. it exiles itself. He would stone brain oh, twice. Wow. That's brutal. Yeah, he would stone brain twice, and they have no win cons left. Some some of these some of these more narrow combat decks. Well, like on top of that, if you stone brain once, you get to see their hand. Yeah, you do. You can now. They do get their cards back if you're just taking stuff from their hand, but you can then rip anything good out of their yeah, hand too, and make them just pull. Yep. crap off the top. But there was a few times he was playing. He had things like, um, like in Staring Bridge and whatnot. But he basically just removed all the answers. Like yep. he can look through their deck and be like, "What ways can they solve this?" Yeah, that's it. Cool, Stone Brain, take it. And like you get a concession because like I can't. He's taken like Yogmoth and something else out, of, and it's like you have no Yogmoths, you have no Giralfs. Yeah, you can't win the game anymore. Yep, your combo's gone. Yeah. Now it's very man intensive for sure, but just the ability is very strong to mm-hmm. surgical. Uh, just name a card and surgical it. Um, well, and especially we, in a Karn deck, just having one slot from say, your sideboard. It's important to say, we've had that with Necromentia, we've had that with Unmoored Ego, but now, first of all, it's colorless, and it's two and two, not three. Yeah. And it's an artifact that Karn can search, and it's an artifact that Karn can get back. So Ooh. this is this is I probably a lot closer to... Um, Imagine if that was like one and three, and you could get it with Urza Saga. Ugh. Like... The game would change. Give me goosebumps. That would be disgusting. It would. It'd be un- that'd be ridiculous because you could, you could, you could play on turn one, and then on turn three you could tap your Saga for mana and then activate it. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> nobody at Watts. I mean, nobody at Watsy listens to us, but don't listen to Matt especially. Uh, Void Mirror, Dismember, and this Orvar the All Form, which is pretty much the number one way people are fighting against. Not quite Reanimator, but that Transmogrify. Yeah. Uh, What's that fucking red spell called? I can't remember what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about, but I can't remember the card. Creativity. Uh, Something creativity. Indomitable creativity. Indomitable creativity, yes. Irrememberable creativity. (laughs) (laughs) Next up, another really cool list, and probably the last big chunk of time we're going to spend here, uh, because the rest of the stuff's pretty boring. Devoted Druid Combo. Now, let's take a look at here. I want to see. Do you know the combo? Huh? Do you know the combo? 
Uh, I have to see. There's a couple of them. I need to make sure I'm looking at the right one. If you see it right away, well, go ahead. I do. I've actually played uh, Devoted to a Combo in my elf versions before. So which one? Is this with the vehicle enchantment <clears throat> or is this? No, the vehicle enchantment was a was a Planeswalker card. So is this with the this Scepter? Is, so this is Devoted Druid with the Seer of uh, Remedies. And Luxor. It doesn't have to, you don't have to have Luxor. Well, Luxor also. Yeah, I mean, there's there's other stuff in here, but the 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 primary combo is infinite mana with Devoted Druid and Vizier of Remedies. Uh, so Devoted Druid, you tap it for a green. Uh, to untap it, you put a minus one, minus one counter on it. Vizier of Remedies, if one or more would be put on a permanent you control, it's that many minus one. Yeah. So you have infinite mana there. Then there's all kinds of crap you can do yeah. with it from there. Well, Luxor got his gift. Gives a creature plus one plus one for each counter on it. Yeah, that's another. It's another yes. combo piece. Yep. So you've got which again is five. Uh, well, you've got a Stoneforge Mystic to dig that part out of it. So like mm -hmm. they're going very redundant because that's an yeah. equipment. Well, you're looking at this. We've talked about if you four's probably not enough, and so you only have four devoted druids. So you've got to max out on enablers. Well, and they've got El Ladamri's Call. Yep. For digging out the devoted so druids, extra, extra devoted druids, or there. the Vizier of Remedies. Uh, finale of Devastation, again, now that one, typically speaking, since it's got an X in it, what you're looking for there probably is something to dump your mana into, uh, but you can do the same thing with Walking Ballista. Again, we're talking about redundancy here. Yep. Get that with Eladomri's Call, Finale of Devastation, get stuff back from the graveyard, which can also matter. Check out this. this Viridian Longbow. There's a cool win con. Yep, untap. Da -da 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 -da. Yep. I'm going to make a million green. <clears throat> I'm going to put my Viridian Longbow onto my anything and do 20 damage three men at a time. Yeah. Uh, again, three and spider. Pay seven. Look at the top four cards of your library. You can reveal an artifact from among them and put it in your hand. Yep. Put the rest on the bottom. Like, just I'm gonna go find. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, infinite mana. Go find my Viridian Longbow. Correct. So, um, I played it in Elves just out. as an out because Elves kind of sucked. Extraction Specialist. <clears throat> I was actually just looking at that. Yeah, it's three mana, three two life link. When it ETBs, return target creature card with mana value two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield, but it can't attack or block for oh, as long shucks. as you control Extraction Specialist. It just sits there and produces infinite mana. It just sits there and produces infinite <laughs> mana. What it also lets you do, and this is kind of a little minor, but it lets you devote a druid, make a bunch of mana, mm -hmm. kill it, play it. I, I, don't if you're, I don't necessarily know if you're going positive on mana there or not, but you can max out your devoted druid and let it die and then bring it back with Extraction Specialist. Something worth noting here, you don't lose it when Extraction Specialist dies. It isn't for as long as you control Extraction Specialist. It's yeah. Extraction. It's just it can't attack or block as long as you have it. Which actually means you're better off losing the extracted Extraction Specialist. You are. Yeah. But what I'm saying, most of these cards, they usually yank yeah. it out of the graveyard until it leaves. And then they die together. Not this one. Yeah. You just get to keep it. No, it's it's unlikely they're going to kill your extraction over your devoted druid, but it's a relevant uh, bit of counterplay where like you're not two for oneing yourself. You're getting access to more uh, devoted druids in your grave, or devoted druids or vizier of remedies in your graveyard without opening without an actual for, cost. Yeah. Uh, opening yourself over two for one. And again, you're talking about it's one of to be grabbed with Eladomri's call. Exactly. Um, then you got giver of runes to protect your combo. Uh huh. And then uh, the forge tender. To protect everything. To protect everything. Everything you're dealing with here is bolt is not is 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 yep. weak to bolt. Weak to bolt. Yep. And the best except way except for the Thran spider. <laughs> and the best way to get a, get ahead of that is just run the Forge Tender's main. Yep. So what's this postmortem lunge? Uh, so X Phyrexian. Search return target creature card with command cost extra left. Okay, so this is just more <clears throat> redundancy. This is more graveyard recursion. Yep. Pay two, get it back out, two and two yep. life. 
Yeah, that's yeah, that's all. Oh, and it, well, oh, the big thing is it has haste, so it goes off that turn. But you do lose it at the beginning of the next end step. Sure does. You got to go um, that turn, unless the game is over. Yeah, then you don't. <laughs> yeah, unless I dome you for a, a trillion with walking ballista. Or wow, and say <clears throat> a finale of devastation. Um, yeah, with... this, this deck is built really well, in my opinion. Like, there's a lot of tutor redundancy, graveyard recursion. I have a judge question for you. Sure. Finale of Devastation, where X equals 100. Can you go get Walking Ballista and make a 100, 100 Walking... Or can you make a Walking Ballista with plus 100, plus 100? So let's read it. So you search your library for a card. Um, so you would get or a graveyard. Yep, so you get your Walking Ballista out. You also do... And just side note here. You also do have redundancy there, where you've got green, green. If you had to, two mana, go get your Dota Druid out of the graveyard. If I... If I'm reading it correctly, you would, because the walking ballista comes into play as a zero zero, but it doesn't uh it, it, doesn't, it doesn't check until state base effects effects are checked, and, and that that's after the resolution of this spell. That's what I was curious about. So I was curious will, if state It will be a XX, whatever yeah. you like do your finale for. Yes. Until the end of turn, then it would die. If you don't put any counters on it. I was basically confirming done. that state base effects don't check in the middle of a resolution of they a spell. Don't. Nope. Perfect. And it's again minor, but you could for you know, go get a hundred hundred walking blistin attack. Yeah, absolutely. This deck is cool. Yeah, this deck is so cool. And then of course you've got if you're running, um, if you're gonna be running Stoneforge Mystic, you've got Cauldron Batter Skull. Yeah, just like you've got sometimes going beaten face is yeah, pretty effective. You've got too. some grindy sol- options here for sure. I love just the immense, immense, immense amount of redundancy between the Finale Devastation, which doubles up as a win con, the Postmortem Lunge, the Extraction Specialist, all these, uh, the Elodomeris calls the the uh, Stoneforge Mystic, the ability just to how all of these cards are just sending little tendrils to other cards, and like, it all reaches into itself. I love the, I love how interconnected this deck is to work towards that goal of, and I mean it shows they came in top eight. Devoted Druid, Infinite Com, Infinite Mana, win the game. Yep. Sideboard, uh, Nature's Claim, <laughs> Path to Exiles, one Solitude, two Path to Exile. But in fairness, I don't really care how many lands you have if you're dead. Yeah. Uh, Veil of Summer, very key here. You can't counter my stuff like. The ability to open up against a like a control deck and be like I I don't know when exactly is the best place the best time to play Veil in your sequencing but for me personally I love the Veil in my first main phase I'm gonna cast a Veil of Summer would you like to respond That's that's I mean obviously context is super important in yeah. what you're doing just as a blanket statement that's typically where I like to go obviously upkeep is too early you want to see what you draw first Yep of course Um I like to cast them if I just have one. If I'm going, if I'm actually trying to win, I just cast it first. Yep. Because then, if they counter it, then I can just chill. Yep. I don't unless I have to go for the win. Mm-hmm. But like, if I'm proactively, like, if I'm still, if I still have two turns, I'm gonna cast it and go. Okay, well, they countered it, so I don't know what else they have. Yeah. Like, if they have a full grip and they countered it once, they might have another counter. So I'm just gonna chill and yeah. you know do what I can to ensure my best draws for the next couple. Absolutely. Um, if I have to go, then I think that also still stands. I love, I mean, obviously this is everyone's case, but having two veils, casting the first one, fuck off, letting them counter it, and then casting Failing the that. second one, then that, drawing two cards. Yeah, that to me is the best case scenario. I love doing that. So I mean, I mean, obviously the best case scenario is your veil of summer just resolves and you win. Yeah, but like, well, it's like it's also one of those. There's a lot of scenarios where because I cast, a lot, I've cast a lot of veils in Legacy, like. Your opponent passes with one card in hand, or let's say in modern, they only have three mana up. Yep. Like they have one counter spell, and yeah. you have one. You could be like, "Hey, for one mana, counter this, or maybe lose." Yep. And then, and then you just win. Yep. Uh, Containment priest, Morgetic Teague. 
Sanctifier and Vec, uh, which is, a, again, a horribly underplayed card for how immensely good it is at these fucking... Like, how much it hoses these scam decks, how much it hoses... Uh, these living the living index like I was gonna say scam is something we didn't see a ton of in this. No, we didn't see a lot of it. There's there's a few Mechdrus mid range coming. We're only in the top three yeah. really, but uh, Sanctifier and Vec is like if you're looking for a way to fight against scam, fucking Sanctifier. It's in a sense it's not fast enough because it's going to be on turn two, and I get that, but it's a very good option to just shut that shit down. It's very hard for them to touch it. It's very hard for them to get get around it. Uh, Endurance Night of Autumn. Uh, null, Nullhide Ferrix, four mana, six six hexproof. You can't cast non-creature spells, but you can pay. Anyone can pay two to make that ability go away. Uh, to make him, sorry, to make him loses lose all ability, so you can make him lose hexproof. And essentially, you're allowed to pay two mana to make it to so cast you can, spells, to and cast they can spells, pay yeah. two to give it hexproof. But this is uh, the Nullhide Ferrix is basically there just to fight against again the uh, Archon decks and the grief decks and the grief decks to some degree basically it has there's you know because there's there's three paragraphs on this card but if an opponent makes you sacrifice it you can just put it onto the battlefield not sacrifice it discard it if yeah. an opponent would make you discard it you could just put it you see a six six onto the battlefield text proof and then one more solitude in the side um we're gonna move these, move these kind of quickly because we are already long and we actually have oh my god matt we're already an hour and 50 <laughs> Well, good night, guys. Jeez, Louise. All right, <clears throat> so uh, we've got four color Omnath. Uh, this is a Titania and uh, and Titania. This is like the this is a Titania Risen Wreath deck that we talked. I just talked about. Like, doesn't really exist. Obviously, it does it, it, it's playable, but it's nowhere near the force to be reckoned with. It was after that though. I, these are gonna be brief glances. I'm not seeing anything in here that's really surprising for this list. What it used to be. Or for what we expect to see in current iterations of decks. Next up, we have a Merktide Regent list, Blue Red Delver in Modern, uh, DRC Ragavan, Ledger Shredder, Merktide, the exact same spell suite we always see, the Bobbles, nothing in the sideboard that's exceptional. Uh, and isn't crazy how short a podcast could be? Next up is Jeskai Control. <laughs> um, yep. And by Jeskai Control, I literally mean Blue White Control with Flame Blitz in the side. Okay. Uh, a Kahira in the sideboard because you're only running Solitudes in the main. Um, now I know, hear me out, we're blue-white control. Um, but would you like some Leyline Bindings in your life? Sure would. This is an example, this is, in my opinion, one of the best examples of Leyline Binding warping decks to run it. You have a blue-white control deck that wants to have blue-blue for Counterspell, blue-blue-blue for Archmage's Charm, and blue, it's blue, white for Supreme Verdict. Blue, blue, white, or sorry, blue, white, white for Arc. Which, uh, blue, white, white. That's white, a huge white, different. Yeah, because yeah, you're looking for blue, blue, blue for Archmage's Charm and white, white, blue for Supreme Verdict. Yeah. And they are fucking with their mana base so that they can run Leyline Bindings and have them on turn two, hopefully. Uh, uh, four Shark Typhoons, two Dress Downs, uh, one Chalice in the main, but. Nothing in here. It's funny, like even the leyline binding is not new at this point. But it's just this is a this is a great example of leyline binding really warping decks to play it. There's another card in there for leyline binding. Well, it's not just leyline binding, I guess. But Hall of Heliod's generosity, getting enchantments back. That's, that's for true. Shark Typhoon. That's for Shark but Typhoon. Like, but it does. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You can. Yeah. You can. It. It makes. Yeah. Remove it. Go ahead. Bring it back. Yeah. Um, we did seventh place. So last we've got another uh, Murktide Regent. Uh, blue red deck, uh, DRC Ragavan Ledger Shredder, a Brazen Bar. We're in this one with the Merktide, and then beyond that, this looks again exactly the same. 
So, uh, metagame summary. Hammer Time with 15.5%, 5 decks, Other at 12.5%, Merktide with 4, 12.5%, and then we've got, oh, I guess actually you're right, I thought we had a Rakdos mid-range, oh, and 13. I thought I saw one higher up, but I did not. Yeah, so Rakdos mid-range, only 9.5%. Rakdos mid-range has kind of been wiping the floor for a while. Yep. And it's definitely been knocked down this week. A Tron deck in 16th. Um, that's pretty cool. Uh, Rakdos mid-range, Hardened Scales, uh, Omnath decks, all those with three, two burn decks, and then a bunch of one-ofs. Most played cards, Lightning Bolt, Ragavan, Counterspell, Stoneforge Mystic, Esper Sentinel. Top creatures, Ragavan, Stoneforge Mystic, Esper Sentinel, Solitude, Pierce Still Paladin. Top spells, Lightning Bolt, Counterspell, Mistress, Bobble, Expressive Iteration, and Teferi. All right, Matt, we are an hour and 50 minutes in. Um... I unfor- we've had we have had to, we have had a force the issue from Mono Wolf a couple weeks ago. He's very understanding. We had a couple, we had to put it off for a few things that was going on. We missed an episode, yada yada. But I do want to talk about it. <clears throat> um, it's a <clears throat> to say it's simple is it, I don't want to be insulting. It's, it, it's but it's a relatively simple. I think I think it's a relatively simple thing we can talk about. We can be relatively concise about it. Uh, but he had a great he had a great question. So. He's basically got a nice, sounds like December-y, Christmas-y bonus coming. What he wants to do is he wants to buy into some more competitive um, uh, formats, non-rotating, eternal formats. He wants to double dip as much as possible, which is a very smart thing to do between modern and legacy. He doesn't want to buy a modern deck and a legacy deck. He wants to buy something that'll fit into both. Something he sent us and wanted to know our opinion on it was Mono White Hammer Time in Modern. Because, I mean, one, it's... Hammer Time, either Mono White or Azorius, is has been for a very long time one of the top decks in modern. And weekly. still is. I mean, it's the most played deck in this it's challenge. Just, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's between twelve and eighteen percent every week, almost indefinitely. And it recently saw a very very powerful port over to Legacy. So he sent us a list that he was looking at for modern. It's a little out of date, but just as a reference, and just kind of wanted our opinion on one. Uh, double dipping like that, and two, if we thought Mono White Hammer Time would be a good place to start for his one than the other. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I think A, Hammer Time is a great deck for him to play in Modern, especially if he's kind of into that. In Yes, the, the, the prerequisite so, for all this is, is if this is what you enjoy. Yeah, so if you enjoy or think you'll enjoy Hammer Time, um, which I wouldn't blame you if you did, the deck looks like it's going to be crazy fun. Um, I think that's a great place to start. It's relatively inexpensive. You're not talking about... I mean, I know uh, we just mentioned it, uh, Yorion's gone, but mm-hmm. you're not talking about a like $2,500 modern deck. Nope. Uh, it's on the lower end of things. Let's just see here. So uh, the two lists that are, uh, these are Azorius, so they probably actually have a little bit more of an expensive land base, um, are less than 900 bucks on MTG Goldfish, and that's probably using inflated prices. Yep. So you could realistically put together a hammer time list I mean, flat out, somewhere between five hundred and a thousand dollars. It's going to be have no cards. If you have none, um, now the cool thing is, not only do you get one of the best decks in modern, but you also get a relatively fun deck in Hammer Time or in uh, Legacy. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you and say that Mono White Hammer Time is a Legacy All Star. It's not. It's not. It has frequently top thirty two these challenges, and yep. if I remember correctly, last Saturday it top eighted. I believe it did, yes. So it is a very real deck. Which means it either won or came in eighth. We don't yeah. know. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> but it's a very real deck. Um, it has accomplished more than enough. Like to me, if you top eight a challenge, you you're re, you're like you're in the 
needs to be taken seriously as yep. a deck range. You're, you're out of the like laughable category. There's right. a lot of decks that you could show up to, let's say a legitimate tournament, because let's say Legacy FNMs are a little different, but you show up to like a legitimate RCQ for Legacy, which doesn't exist, but let's pretend. Yeah, you pull out anything that's top aided top 16 you, and it's like you're respectable right where there's a lot of decks you'd be like that's i mean sure dude you can play well, dredge I mean, a, but a, i was gonna say a perfect example of this would be something like manalist dredge or yeah. burn where like yes they are kind of legacy i mean they're legacy legacy decks uh-huh. <laughs> they're, the, they're the old guard mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. they had their time in the sun they're not anywhere close to a current meta deck right yeah. now mono white hammer time is yes uh, it is we were actually looking up the lists before the uh, podcast here, and uh, I'd have to uh, – actually, I got one pulled up here. I made sure to keep it. So in Legacy, again, so just on MTG Goldfish's price, you go from like 880 for the blue-white version, which probably be a little bit cheaper if you go with mono-white, yeah. to only like uh, 1000 bucks for the Legacy version. Yeah. Most and, of that's going to be one card. Well, we were counting. You're really only short, like, what, three unique cards? Right. So there's there's a couple, like, one, like we didn't count swords to plowshares, but they're a dollar a piece. Yeah, swords are, yeah, swords cost nothing. Right. So, but you've got Mox Opals. That's the big one. That's yeah. where most of that difference in the budget goes. It's Mox Opals. It's the most expensive card in the deck individually. Um, and as a group, uh, you're looking at a ballpark 250 to 300 bucks for Mox Opals. Uh, not a horrible investment as far as that goes, but just keep in mind they're not on the reserve list. Yep. So they could be reprinted at any time, and maybe that's what you do is you proxy them until they get reprinted again and then buy them when they're on sale. Yeah, very possible. Because they, they're probably getting close. Yeah, I mean, they're it's just one of those cards that, like, well, like, like Mox Opals, lets gets expensive and yes. then puts them in a master set. Mox Opal is one of those cards that, like, it's like, what, 50 bucks a piece, 40 bucks a piece? Ballpark, yeah. That is exactly enough to carry a secret layer. A little more than that, but yeah. Well, we're in this. Yes. So about sixty. But like we're in this world now, where like every time I see a card that's like, so think of Concord and Crossroads, mm-hmm. where you have a card that's like forty to sixty dollars that probably shouldn't be that expensive. Well, that's enough that Watsy could just pair it with a couple shitty cards and make a secret layer, and that dips the price down by twenty, thirty percent. Yeah. Yeah. So, worst case scenario, you just buy the secret layer. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't typically speaking advocate for buying a yeah. secret layer. Make when sure it, you buy the non-foil. Yeah. No shit. <laughs> But when it's a significant financial advantage. Yeah. I mean, you, you want to talk about <laughs> definitely don't have the only four cards in yeah, your deck no kidding. be foil mox opals. Yep. <laughs> and in the event that you do and the judge were to pull you aside, don't open with, oh, is it my foils? <laughs> right. Um, so you got mox opals. That's one of the big ones. Uh, Retrofitter Foundry. Uh, that card used to be a little bit more expensive. It's still like 15 bucks ballpark. Oh, that's very, it used to be like 40. Yeah. It used to be really expensive. Especially for what it does, but that's just in there as a uh, and there's a saga target for additional value. Um, cranial plating that's fifty cents, but it is something that oh no, they run it. It's cranial plating, not banned. You in can, mode. yeah, but some lists do and don't. Yep. Um, GT is one that modern doesn't have, but it's down to ten bucks. So again, that's oh, even yeah. under Very your limit. Uh, sort of fire nice again. Some lists run it. Yep, it's it's one of those like pops in and out of sideboards and sideboards and mains. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like some lists. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. In modern, run it. Um, the list I'm looking at has it. So that'd be one of those cards you kind of keep on your radar. Um, depending on your local meta, that might determine whether or not you think you need a sort of fire nice. Yeah. And then hammer of Nizan. Again, this list has it. <clears throat> it's basically another pure steel paladin. Cigar is a type effect. Yeah. Where they just you know get stuff onto your it gets yep. your hammers on your it makes everything auto attach yeah so <clears throat> then the other individually the other expensive card would be Caracas 
You only need mm-hmm. one. This list only has one. That's yeah. you know. If you're knows? in Legacy, a Caracas is 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 very good. Yeah, and then you've got Wastelands. So, yeah, Wastelands are a little annoyingly expensive. They're like yeah. what, 25 they're twenty. They're twenty twenty-five bucks a piece. Yep. So you're talking about between. But when you're when the three and four hundred dollars to like upgrade from modern yeah. to Legacy, when all of your cards cost between zero and two, Wasteland's pretty powerful. Yeah, it is. Once you hit your second land and you're good for the game, being able to throw those Wastelands out and be like, hey, how about what if you had no blue mana? Yeah. What if you had no black mana? So this is like whether or not it was intended to be that way, you basic mono wolf you basically picked the best deck absolutely the only especially as far as budget concerns the only one that ports better in my opinion would probably be something like blue red murktide where like oh you mean like like going direct... from modern to legacy like there's more cards and obviously the price is going to be it, it, is extreme. astronomical yeah. but like in terms of a top tier a top tier deck to a top tier deck like yeah. it's one of the best decks in modern and it's the best deck in legacy yep like if you just Let's just say play patterns didn't matter and money didn't matter. That's what I would pick. Yeah, absolutely. Like if you're just like, I want to win as many tournaments as I can in Modern and in Legacy, I would do that if yeah. you only had one deck. Now, once you bring it back to the real world and you go play patterns do matter and budget does matter, yep. Mono White Hammer Time yes. is a fantastic choice. Yeah, it's probably the best the best choice you can make for just raw power level in Modern. And if I were you, I would prioritize having a better deck in modern than in legacy yeah you will most i don't don't know your area you'll most likely have access to more modern tournaments than legacy yep and you're gonna have you're gonna have plenty of raw power level in legacy anyway yep and that's that's something else we talked about where like you want to i would pick the deck you want to play that's the most important whether or not that is good in legacy is i don't want to say it's irrelevant Obviously, it's important because that's the question you ask. Yeah. But like Jake just said, you're going to have a much easier time finding legacy or modern events than legacy events. Yeah. So like having the deck you love in modern is going to be so much more important than yep. unless you're unless your local area is just like popping off with legacy. Yeah. Unless you have a ton of legacy. Yeah. But I would say on the care of that, just in general, your play patterns are going to be probably more important than anything. And so it doesn't matter how you know, if you're looking at, I can buy this legacy deck in the next three months versus in the next year and a half. If you are, it, it, if it's not fun, yeah. and this kind of goes without saying, but it's, it's always good to kind of remind yourself. If it's not fun, if you don't enjoy playing these decks, it doesn't matter how soon you can buy it. Yep. You're not going to want to play it. it. You'd be much better off spending a year and a half building into some stupid $6,000 legacy deck if you really want to play legacy Correct. than to buy into some $1,200 legacy deck you don't like. Yep. And again... Uh, from your question, it seems like at least you're willing and able to use proxies in your area. Mm-hmm. So that goes a long way. Yeah, and like, that's an option. You, sh- I mean, ideally you like play this deck for a little bit. Like get get like 10, 15 games in and confirm, do I enjoy this these play patterns? And then be like, oh, fuck yeah, bye, bye, well, yeah, bye, bye, bye. I mean, we joke about it because Magic, the the world has lost its mind and a thousand dollar modern deck is considered cheap yeah but like a thousand dollars is nothing to scoff at no it's not and to throw that away on because one of the problems is you're going to spend a thousand dollars to put that deck together you're not going to be able to sell it for a thousand dollars like you're buying from retail now if you could find someone that wanted that deck you might get like 60 70 percent right that's typically what you're looking at so if you find someone to buy that deck make sure you're getting a deck you want to play a thousand in my opinion we're all adults. We're adults here. We have disposable income, which I'm super happy for you. A thousand dollars to invest in a hobby you love is not unreasonable. A thousand dollars to piss away on a mistake is a little. Yeah. That's a little closer to unreasonable. Yep. 
<clears throat> so obviously you're taking a lot of time to think about this. You're, I mean, and you're doing the perfect thing where you're asking. Well, you didn't ask experts, but you, you asked people who know a little bit about it. You're taking time to think about it. Um, just yeah, if you have the opportunity to proxy up and play, which maybe you have, get those reps in. That's the first thing I did before I bought a legacy deck was I got my reps in to make sure I liked. Uh, on turn two, putting a Grizzlebrand into play. Turns out I did. Nope. He didn't like it when other people prevented it. No, that was <laughs> or that was not fun. I did not enjoy that very Jake much. Jake loved goldfishing that deck and hated actually playing it. The That's problem basically was, what it boiled I down to. playing it Matt, and Matt's very good. If I could have had some mediocre legacy players that I could go 50-50 with, but against Matt, who just because he's very good at legacy, it was more like 20-80, which is very reasonable when you've got inexperienced versus experienced. I don't um, take it easy on anybody either. No. Not when we're playing Legacy. No, he doesn't. He does not. And he shouldn't. I don't want him to. But, yeah, I, the most important thing over um, the and I, the pride of getting to own a Legacy deck or a modern deck, because I feel very proud when I look at my deck box and go, that's my fucking sweet-ass, you know, reanimator deck for modern and my blue-white deck in Legacy. I, it's very, I am very, I'm very proud to own those things. But what's way more important is actually enjoying the deck enjoying playing the deck and mm -hmm. as long as you do your due diligence and make sure you enjoy these play patterns um i think matt and i pretty thoroughly endorse this strategy of yeah buying into mono white hammer time personally i think uh in the long run at least you'll be better off getting into a blue white hammer time i think in the modern blue, yeah, yeah in modern i think the blue white hammer time decks are better I think they're a little more versatile. I don't think you're paying really anything in your mana base for it. Uh, the you, you, This deck ends the game so quickly. A little bit of life here doesn't matter. Uh, the options you get in the main board and the sideboard are huge. Uh, that's just me personally, though. And that's something you can build towards later. Mm -hmm. And then Mono White Hammer Time in Legacy is, is, is absolutely a contender and is absolutely scary. Yeah. So, 100%. I would, uh, as, just to answer this part of it, because he did bring it up, I would avoid death and taxes like the plague right now. I wouldn't spend. Oh God, yeah. I wouldn't spend a dime trying to. I wouldn't buy Thalia's. I wouldn't do any of that. No, no, no. Don't no, buy no. anything that doesn't go into hammer time. Death and taxes for all, especially right now with those initiative decks running around. Yeah. I mean, death and taxes might as well be dead. I mean, it, it basically is. It's not only was it like not seeing competitive nope. like a ton of play beforehand. There's well, a new white deck in town. You know how excited we were to see like hardened scales in modern. That's how excited we were to yeah. see death and taxes in legacy. Which War. is sad. I mean, it's... it is. Well, death and taxes used to be kind of the kind of a canary in the coal mine. I've heard it said by several content creators for years that when death and taxes is good, legacy is good. Now well, that again, is a direct correlation, but it's a fair non-blue deck. It's a fair non-blue deck, and for a very, very, very long time. Death and Taxes has not been good in Legacy. No. Not as far as these tournaments go. It's a go. very fair non-blue deck. Now, you could totally... And one more caveat to throw on all of this that you should think about is are you more worried about building decks for a high skill level meta or do you have a local meta that's really relevant? It's totally possible at your local meta, your local meta that Death and Taxes is the best deck. Could be. And then you should buy Death and Taxes if you enjoy that play pattern. Yeah. You know, we're saying avoid Death and Taxes like the Plague Based because on the global meta, basically. Based on, based on the top tier meta of the top players. Yeah. And so if you're looking to have a highly competitive deck that you could take to large events and play, I would avoid Death and Taxes. If at your local meta, if you can proxy up, if you play some Death and Taxes and you're kicking everyone's ass, maybe entertain the idea of investing into it. Just recognize that you're investing into a deck that may not carry you so well. If you, I know I've seen you travel for events sometimes. If you travel, it may not uh, yeah. go as well. Yep. So. That... I would I would also say, and I'm, this is not to, to shit on anybody, 
Uh, Death and Taxes is very, 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 very difficult to play. You got to um, put your rep. I mean, you're a control deck without force of will. Yeah. You have to put your reps uh, in. Hammer Time is only very, very, very difficult to play. <laughs> you know, every legacy deck and every modern deck is very hard to play. There are different levels of hard. And whenever whenever anyone says, like, oh, that deck's easy. Well, easy in the context of modern <laughs> just means it's easier. Right. So every deck's going to be hard to play, but. Um, well, and the big thing with Hammer Time is you're just going to get some free wins. You you're going to get a lot more free wins than you do with Death and Taxes. That's a very important factor in deck selection is whether or not you want to get into a deck that gives you free wins. Some decks will never give you free wins. Blue Eye Control, um, Blue Eye Control and Modern, Blue Eye Control and Legacy are great examples because I play those and I like playing them. You never get free wins. Other the, than just like they mold a four. Yeah, the only free wins you get, yeah, is they mold a four or they don't get it. They never hit their third land. You yeah. never just have like, oh, A, B, I win. Yeah. Whereas Hammer Time, you absolutely will have games where you go, well, if they can't kill this creature, they just die. And they're like, oh, fuck, I can't kill that creature. Right. And that's on turn two. And that's game. And you'll get just, yeah, they'll make they'll have a bad keep or they'll stumble one time and you're like, cool, dead. That doesn't happen in a lot of decks. That does happen in this deck. And getting free wins is fucking real. Well, and on top of not on top of just the fact that like it matters in competitive play, it's one of the things that's really nice when you first start out a deck because it's fun yeah. and it gives you a way to win without having mastered the deck yet. That's true. So like if you sat down with a blue white control deck or whatever, like four color control, and you just showed up to like a highly competitive legacy scene, you're gonna go Oh, and five. Yeah, probably. For like mm. weeks. Great example. Great, great, great example. Uh, when we were at that store championship, it was a small store championship, but Eli was there. He was on a brand new deck. He never played Boros Aggro. He never played that deck. He never even played anything quite like that deck. Boros Aggro is a great example of a deck that just gets free wins. Where or in Pioneer. Yeah, it's well, where it's it, like, hey, it's turn three. I'm attacking for 15. Yeah. Didn't have an answer for that, huh? Yeah, like and the, and and he took that deck. And Eli is a relatively new player who is growing quickly, but is still a relatively new player who has never played this deck and came in second place. Right, he almost won because you get free wins with these decks. Yep, that's really like Rakdos. Uh, Rakdos sacrifice doesn't get free wins. No, but Rakdos scam and modern does. Rakdos scam and modern does. When you can grief them two or three times within uh -huh. the first couple turns, and they just don't play the game anymore. Yep, they don't play the game. Same thing and with Reanimator in Modern or exactly. Indomitable Creative. Sometimes that's you just I, have the nuts. That's why I like playing Reanimator in Modern. Is sometimes in Modern I get to go like, oh cool, turn two unmark, or I get to go like actually it was even better is like turn two Faithful Mending discard Archon turn three persist. Do you have any responses? No, cool. Yeah, GG. So. Oh, you're gonna try and kill it? Uh, if I'm right, like that game's fucking over. You have lost that game, and. Those are the styles of games you will get to have with Mono White Hammer Time, where the stars will align a little bit, where you have a nut draw, they have a mediocre draw, and game's over, bud. Yep. I'm going to go get lunch. It's <laughs> <laughs> That round took 10 minutes. Right. Had a lot of those. So, uh, Matt, getting into Modern and Legacy, looking at Mono White Hammer Time for both. Stamp of approval? 100%. Cantrip Cartel stamp of approval. And it's going to be a longer episode this week, so hopefully everyone enjoyed it. Uh, I know we... We've been missing. We've been a little inconsistent the last few weeks, so glad we got to come in, give you guys a little extra content. But it is getting late, and we are going to wrap it up. So, Matt, was there anything else you wanted to talk about? No, I think we talked about literally everything there is to talk about. Well, actually, there was this thing in Magic. Shut up. Uh, there's this whole Magic <laughs> Thirty thing that happened, and that actually that was last week, and no one cares. If you want to hear about my opinions <laughs> on the Magic Thirty thing that happened, head over to Doctor Casual. Yeah, Doctor Casual. Casual. 
Benson MTG on Twitch uh, and listen to that. We put about an hour, hour and 20 down with him. So check that out. Uh, if you want to follow us, reach out to us, tweet at us, email us. It's Cantrip Cartel everywhere. The only one that's kind of relevant is cantripcartel at gmail.com. Otherwise, it's just Cantrip Cartel. Yep. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Cantrip Cartel. If you guys want to help support us, we super appreciate it. I'm going to go add a, I'll add a, I'll add a few more tiers to that $10. Or actually what I might do is I might just make a $10 t-shirt tier so people can join just to try and get the t-shirt. Because we do have, dude, nothing is cooler to me than getting to mail you guys t-shirts. Please buy more of our t-shirts. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, but that's all I've got. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Matt, did I forget anything? Uh, no, I don't think so. All right. I think we'll see you guys next week. Yep. Have a nice night, guys. Ready for a throwback? Sure. I'm going to pass the turn. On your upkeep, Rashad and Port, your only land. No. <sighs> I guess. Welcome, step on in to the Cantrip Cartel. Chicken Matt, chatting meta games, or slinging some spells, casting ale, sipping on blue soup, and parting some veils. Glimpse of nature once upon a time, they're telling the tale of the elvish visionaries on the wildwood prairies, where the brainstorms of Sophia, some so scary, so legendary. Queer and ranger scrounge the sylvan libraries, for when the greens and zenith would parry the clouds and turn their swords into plows. Let them rotate the crops, abundant growth in the ground. Nourish the life from the loam until it flourished unbound. Seeds of innocence burnished all the birch lorian mounds. Gaia's cradle exhaled, carpet of flowers. Unwound. Birds of paradise sang, tropical islands of sound. Allosaurus shepherd danced on dinosaurs stopping grounds. Jake and Matt pondered deeply all this magic they found. Through their vision, styles, and serum, they saw only for how to convey these magic stories aloud to the crowds, the masses. Make the voices heard, share the truth, the magic. Through ancestral visions, they felt compelled to draw every single card with the cantrip cartel. Draw cards with the cantrip cartel. Strong cards with the Cantrip Cartel.